Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the Bat Fanatic podcast. Season three starts right now. As always, I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan, but I'd like to introduce to you our new sponsor, a good friend of the show, TNK Comics and Collectibles. You can follow the Instagram for claim sales at the Nando Knight. That's N-A-N-D-O. K-N-I-G-H-T, The Nando Knight, and on shortbox.com slash Nando Knight. You can catch the in-person debut November 13th in Anaheim at Near Mint Sundays. Now, today we are going to talk about a modern classic from Jeff Loeb, Jim Lee, Scott Williams, and Alex Sinclair. This is Batman Hush. Hello, friend. How do we do this again? Hello, I'm Sammy Warmhands. No. Welcome. <laughs> but Fanatic Podcast. Well, we're back to, uh, wow, renaming the show and false intros. So, I mean, that's... Yep, that's how we do it. So, yeah, season three, we kept you guys waiting a long time. So, thanks for uh, being patient with us. Ben and I uh, released the album with our band. Evan uh, did what he did. He goes by the name Champagne Poppy online. <laughs> you might have heard of him. P-A-P-I, yeah. yeah. I've been making moves. I've been to three different cons this summer. Yesterday was Batman Day. You guys will be hearing this a little ways in the future uh, with future Ben. And <laughs> I'm going to be so tall. <laughs> <laughs> He's a growing boy. They did this triple feature thing. I was really bummed because I was supposed to go to a show out of town to see Propagandi. And I was like, damn, I only got tickets for Phantasm and Batman 89. And then, and again, this is a band that I really want to see for the first time. But Chris Hanna got COVID, and they postponed the tour. They're going to reschedule it. And I'm like, You're like, yes! <laughs> yeah, like, COVID. yeah, COVID. Thank I get you. to see Batman Returns now. So I, I actually watched all three movies yesterday. You're going to love it, I think. I was at the theater for eight hours. And, uh, wow. and it was like the old prints, too. Not the touched-up, recolored, you know, sound-edited ones. Like, oh, yeah, I miss the, the amber tones in 89 and, and some of that shit. And you miss a lot when your sound source is coming from one place across the oh, room. Yeah. You know, like hearing all the sound design and the score of Phantasm, you know, just like envelops you. It's just amazing. Even with a, even with a nice home, even with a nice <laughs> home theater system, that's like the biggest thing from a movie theater that you don't get at home is the sound. Yeah. You can never get a sound system that's that good. Yeah. Yeah. What order did you watch them in? It was Phantasm 89 Returns. It's cool. Then did you eat some McDonald's just to like be in the 90s <laughs> yeah. again? How many, time, yeah. no, How many times I, do you go to the bathroom? Well, I only went between showings. God bless it's you. It's good. Yeah. They did a good day. <laughs> I did have a good day. And then I got home and I watched an episode of Beware the Batman. And then I uh, watched the next thing that we're going to be reviewing on the show, which is Heart of Ice on uh, Batman the Animated Series. So. So Sam is in a dark place. Yeah, yeah. And last week, I went to Rose City Comic Con. I got to meet Jim Lee for a second time. I told him we're, we're looking forward to the 20th anniversary of Hush. They're about to reissue the book. And uh, though it's not out at the time we're recording this, uh, we wanted to open the season by talking about it. Because somehow we've made it this long without going into one of the best Batman books in you know, modern history anyway. So... Hush, 2002, 
written by Jeff Loeb, who we've talked about before. Jim Lee, Scott Williams, and Alex Sinclair, the usual Trinity team on the art, with lettering by Richard Starkings and Wes Abbott. I also got to meet Richard Starkings unexpectedly at uh, Emerald City Comic Con. So I was reading the forward mm -hmm. in the trade that I got when I bought this in 2009. It was from Jeff Loeb, and he was saying that the DC editor from Long Halloween, Dark Victory, Mark Chirello, he said, hey, we want you to write for the Batman monthly. It's like, now you're in continuity, now oh. you're part of the world, and you really got to hit those fucking deadlines. You know? I need you to work booster gold into this story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so he was offered Batman, and as a smart, experienced writer, he said, but who's drawing it? Because they knew that uh, Tim Sale wasn't available. So it was like, wait, wait, wait. So if you're not bringing me my usual guy, then what are we going to do? Well, Jim Lee. Okay, fuck yeah, sign me up. And he kind of talked about how interesting it was that they are opposites. Like, Tim Sale is all shadow and mystique, and Jim Lee is all harsh light details, you know, and all the, the little stuff. Treads so, on the boots. Yeah, yeah. About. And Jim in the um, afterward talked about he was concerned about that too. Like, how the fuck do I try to follow that? And he goes, and then I read it and I realized he's writing now to my strengths, which is really cool. And so I like that this is familiar, but it's not those other stories at the same time. I read this as a child. So the art was the thing that probably really stood out to me and stood out more in my memory. Yeah. Reading it now as an adult, the similarities between this and Long Halloween are much more clear. Yeah. Like just the story structure, it, it feels very similar to that one that was completely lost on me as a little kid. Well, and depending on which order you were exposed, you know. Well, this is a book that, this is one of my like, go to Barnes and Noble after school and just sit in their chair and read the whole thing there and not pay for it because I didn't have any money. So when I bought mine and it was all thumbed up on the corners and, and shit, it, it was yours. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was your loner. But, I mean, the art is Some what drew me to the book. Some of the pages stick together. Yeah. <laughs> this art is so good. He, yeah. fell, he fell asleep. He was drooling. With his penis. Okay. I'll, I tried to save it. No subtlety. I tried to save it. One star. You I know, hate we this got podcast. That, we got that one review, because I've, I've been listening back to the old episodes as I prepare for this, and we got one bad review because of language. And on content. The first season. On the first season. And we've had 21 five-star reviews on top of that, and we're still not up to where we were before that fucking guy. So, yeah. This is a spoiler show, guys, and this is an explicit rating show. So if you don't like that, please fuck off, and uh, we will It's resume. crude, too. I would describe it as crude. <laughs> At times. I do try to edit out the worst ones. Yeah, you could not swear, and it's still crude. Point taken. Pretty hard to not be us. <laughs> also, I think it's weird to get into something that like you know what it is and then complain that it is what it is i went to the drag races and i saw some cars going fast <laughs> one star this wasn't like, what i was wanting that day what is this? yeah i'm like what three adults talking i don't know i did go see the movie ted in the theater and in the row in front of me was a family of four and my wife and i looked at each other like oh my god and five minutes in you could see them turn and look at each other for a second and then the next scene, like the bong comes out and it's all the fucking and shits and all the whatever. 
and uh, teddy they, bear movie is they this? <laughs> hastily left the theater, and I was like, "You must not have seen a moving video of it. You must have just seen a Only poster a with the bear." Mark and Wahlberg thought, from the Transformer movies. And yeah, Marky and Mark. Whatever. That's it. Yeah. yeah, but I'm like, man, how did you not know what you were watching? This movie's into? disgusting. We're going to go watch a good traditional movie, Wholesome. The Hateful Eight, playing <laughs> next door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's man. all about togetherness. <laughs> Ev, do you remember your first exposure to this book? Is it is it this, or did you read it before? It's this right here. Mm. All right. It's like all right. Uh, yesterday. I was yesterday years old when I read this book for the first time. <laughs> You're our portal to our younger so, days. Yeah, tell us what a 25-year-old thinks of this book. <laughs> You're 25, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm encroaching on 40 years old, actually. Everyone. I was just realizing that as of next month, I'm no longer mid-30s. <laughs> You're late 30s? I will be, yeah. Maybe 36? Seven. Yeah, I'm 36 now. Okay, you put like the middle three in the mids. One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's how I see it. Yeah, okay. You know. that makes, that makes. I'm fresh out of my 20s. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I think of it. We remember Tide Pods and shit. <laughs> so, having almost two lifetimes of experience, how did that affect your viewing this book? Uh, I don't know that you guys want to know. I think maybe I'll save that. You'll okay. dole it out. Okay, okay. we'll skip our, our first impressions then. It opens with a brief origin recap, which is interesting for a continuity story, but I, I like how it goes. Uh, I was Alfred. Like, Thanks, I really needed this. Quoting the <laughs> classic <laughs> cowardly superstitious line that I assume was not quite so overused back in 2002. Batman had been out for 60 years at this point, so it probably I know, was but, overused. But I feel like I, I've seen it more in the last five years than all the years prior. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? He explains the young Bruce's transformation into Batman, but confessed that he still sees him as that broken child beneath it all. Alfred says that his purpose is to offer Bruce what he lacks the most, and that is love. Nice little, what, two, three-page intro, something I like, like that. I, yeah, I think it's two. 608 opens with, well, having just played Arkham Asylum, from uh, Ben Polanski, brought it over to my house. Made the first, yeah, I did. It's one of my best works. I've <laughs> yeah, ever yeah. From the studio, Ben Polanski. To be made by one person is impressive, really. The first scene reminded me of it a bit because he's using that surgical approach that we've talked about, like from Long Halloween, Dark Victory, to take out some pretty high-level dudes. You know, he's talking about, oh, this guy's ex-CIA or special yeah. ops or whatever, right? And uh, the the way that he uses the uh, path of least resistance to take down each person the most expediently. This Leave guy's it. got a bunion on his pinky toe. Poke him in his good eye. <laughs> this is Scars McGillicuddy. <laughs> Which, yeah, this is, this is a guy He's got an ingrown who, toe now. He has the knowledge of the Frank Miller Batman without being as sadistic as the Frank Miller, but yeah. he, he knows when to use it, man, and we'll see that later. The POV of this section yeah, yeah. felt very video gamey to me. What's really the, cool... Yeah, the first-person panels are dope. This is going to be one of my notes a little bit later, but all of the characters, all the main characters, they are never introduced by just fully walking into a room. We're always getting little glimpses of them, and it starts with Batman right here. We get a little flourish of the cape or a fist or something like that, and we don't fully see him until he's taken down all the guys. Mm -hmm. And that's just really cool storytelling visually. You know, I don't know if it was scripted that way or if that's Jim bringing it but uh, everybody is like that we get to see what they do before we see who they are what they look like hmm. 
Um, so he's there to rescue a young heir who was kidnapped. He miscalculates by, quote, 11 seconds, he says, and gets caught on the way out by Killer Croc. And as they fight in the sewer, a multi-million dollar ransom disappears. Croc is looking real weird. Looks like an off the bat. At first I thought, this is an interesting redesign. Yeah. And then that ended up not being the case. Yeah, because they talk about he's been infected with something that's that's making him less human and yeah both physically and mentally yeah yeah when whoever this Jim i Lee. guess it's just the gcpd i guess they they come in afterwards what <laughs> no it's just joke. whoever this artist is that <laughs> yeah, I've never yeah. Heard of. batman the character's called batman oh, okay, yeah yeah okay <laughs> well, yeah whoever this <laughs> no pupil cape guy whatever uh the gcpd is there and in, in their taking edward the one GCPD guy is like, easy, son. We're going to take you home now. And he goes, but I want to stay with Batman. Batman." And I was like, that's Sam. (laughs) (laughs) If ever given the the chance, Sam would be like, but no. Emergency workers or Batman. Yeah, (laughs) That's just me at the Jim Lee signing like, sir, there's people in line behind you. I really can't go. (laughs) No, it is like the end of the Batman, though, when he starts to save people you know and there's the girl who's about to be airlifted away and she's like hanging on to him and he's kind of like looking at her like it's okay go with the fucking paramedics you know i I thought his commentary batman's internal commentary was interesting when he's thinking about superman and it's like oh if superman grabbed this kid he would have given them that smile that makes everybody at ease yeah he said he says that superman would have been better suited essentially to put him at ease but sorry you got got me yeah and I thought about that when I was reading it, because I think about things when I read them. Do you? Yeah, sometimes. So weird. At least when you're going to have to talk about it later. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of my life. Did you read it, Ben? Off. I probably What happened this. on this yeah. page? Batman punched people. <laughs> it's a safe assumption. Because <laughs> at first I was like, well, maybe it's just like bad writing. And it's not bad writing. But like, maybe it's bad writing. Because if we're supposed to believe that half of his life, he's Bruce Wayne, or pretending to be Bruce Wayne. And so the idea that he can't do that stuff when he's Batman... Mm. At first, I was like, oh, they're overlooking his ability to do this all the time. Yeah. And then I I thought about it a little more, and it was like, well, maybe it's the idea that he's so fractured that when he's Batman, he is Batman. And he just, he lacks the ability to be that way in this role. While he's in that character. Yeah. I think that's fair, because, I mean, if you think about just people you know in life who are, let's say, very introverted and shy... And then you get them with close friends and family and, you know, they're laughing and joking and loud and engaged and everything, you know, and you have sort of those different parts of your personality mm-hmm. and when when they can come out and when they can't. And that's one thing I've always related to about Batman is that he has sort of a hard line. Batman can't say congratulations. <laughs> now he's just making fun of me. Like yesterday, I, I never said happy Batman Day. Because I will not be told what to say. But I said, Batman Day isn't over yet, so here's <laughs> It is Batman Day. Yeah, I didn't pictures. tell anybody else to have a happy Batman Day. Yeah. No one's going to tell me to have a happy yeah. Batman Day. I just don't like those, you know, like, Secretary's Day. It's fourth grade science teacher's day. It's like, just stop making shit up, you know. But if they offer me a, a triple feature at the movie theater... <laughs> Now that I can get behind. You can do that at any time. It doesn't have to coincide with a day. 
Just saying. And this is how you're living anyways, you know, like... All I do is consume Batman anyway? Is that yeah, I mean, at one, every day is happy Batman day for you. For real. Uh, and also the specific days to, you know, if you're like, uh, this is worldwide recycling day so everybody yeah. just recycled on one day but then the rest of the <laughs> yeah. day was, it up. Yeah, like, this was isn't the purge we just do this all the time come yeah, on yeah. yeah that that'd be way better if people just killed people all the time <laughs> batman correctly assumes that catwoman stole the money and a rooftop chase ensues that mirrors her introduction in the long halloween which i like yeah also felt like which is intentional um under the red hood there's a bit of Under the Red Hood throughout this, which makes me wonder how much of an influence this was on that. It must have been. Because the guy who wrote Under the Red Hood, the movie, also wrote the comic. And that, I'm fairly certain that comes out of this. What was, is that Judd Winnick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that comes this, like even this depiction of certain characters later on directly influences that. Yeah, it definitely reminded me. And we'll, I guess we'll, we'll talk about those scenes when we get to them. Batman questions Selena's motives here, saying that she's mostly gone straight and this seems out of character, right? So as he's flying across the void between buildings after her, his line is cut, which we know that was a big deal in the Red Hood. It bummed me out that he called it the bat rope to himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he tries to catch himself on a gargoyle, winds up breaking his shoulder. First, my body betrays me. Then my city, he says, because he kind of catches like that cliffhanger fucking one arm uh, hang and then the gargoyle crumbles underneath him and he lands in Crime Alley. Well, that shot of him on the ground, having that thought to himself, looking up, like his face, mm -hmm. that's such a perfect shot of like someone yeah. kind of losing it somewhere else mentally. There are a couple panels throughout this book and this is one of them where... Jim, who draws one of the best, most iconic Batmans ever, right? And this cemented that fact, this book. But there are a few times in this where he's able to not deviate from that and yet show us Bruce Wayne in the cowl. Mm. And I feel like that's what I'm looking at in this panel of him on the ground is we are seeing Bruce fucked up kind of out-of-body yeah. experience moment, you know? I really like that they're able to humanize him in the suit yeah because you're right the jim lee batman is so iconic and not like human or vulnerable looking most of the time speaking mm -hmm. of which we talked about you know in the early episodes we said, what do we think of the bat suit whatever like this is fucking iconic right but another episode i had mentioned at what point does he start to have the cowl isn't just like a half circle opening mm -hmm. at the mouth right but it goes back a little bit up on the cheekbone right has that little point. And as I'm reading this, I'm going, shit, was that Jim's thing? Mm -hmm. Because he's always done it. Now that I actually am thinking about that trait and applying it to him, he's always done that. Now, hmm. a lot of people have aped him and been encouraged to ape him if they were going to get published, right? Sure. <laughs> if they're going to get work. So I wonder if that is part of how that caught on. Maybe a listener who's more familiar with like the early 2000s, late 90s canon can tell me, was that style of cowl opening popular before Hush? At least this would date it. That way you could 
You find to go earlier. Some, yeah, at least yeah. you can find something around approximate time. Go with like a I'm going to open no man's land or something and yeah, see yeah, like go with they a doing different it title around the same time and see um, if anybody else is doing it. Yeah, this thing. Uh, I don't. I don't know how he arrived at it, but Jim repeatedly does this like reverse live long and prosper with his hands. Oh, the he he always does. Close. Yeah, he always does like the middle ring finger conjoined move, and I don't know how he arrived at that. Finger blasting. He does it all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? These bam, are normal bam, bam. hands. And then you look at Jim Lee's hands and the two middle fingers. Yeah, yeah. Just stick <laughs> yeah. <close> <laughs> you know, just when I was like, webbed in the middle. When I was watching Batman noticed. Returns in the theater last night, because, you know, on the bigger screen, you're getting all the details right. And I'm just watching DeVito's hand while Penguin <laughs> is writing. He's always writing, uh, right? He's working on his list of names. And uh, Babies I'm like, you. <laughs> well, my first thought was, okay, with the prosthetics, how hard is it to actually use a fountain pen with those flippers on, right? And then I thought, well, no, that's about the right finger configuration. And then I thought, yeah. well, wait a second. How can this motherfucker learn to read? And then I was like, all right, circus, got it. Okay, anyway. Him. <laughs> I was all caught up in that moment for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah like a family it. guy montage with him in a classroom with penguins. The issue ends with Selena delivering this ransom. It's not for herself. It is to Poison Ivy. We see like the lips and the, what she's saying before we get the full character reveal on the last page. And she has Selena, and we can assume Croc, under her control. In her thrall is the cooler way to say that. Mm, How do you spell that? T-H-R-A-L-L. Nice. Okay, so 609 opens with people surrounding Batman's body in Crime Alley. These are not people looking to help. They're people with their bats and chains ready to stomp. They test the limits of the suit's defenses while he's knocked out. They're getting electrocuted. They're getting gassed. This is all very entertaining. But... Oracle puts out a distress call, and Huntress shows up, which seems like everyone's last choice, but she takes down everyone right away. Who is Huntress? Well, said noob Evan. <laughs> Huntress is an interesting character. Yeah. Bruce Wayne and Catwoman get married and have a daughter, and she's their daughter. Hmm. And then when they did the crisis in the 80s and combined everything and mm -hmm. like kind of sheared off deadweight story-wise, she became a side character, unrelated. She's like a, the daughter of a crime family or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I want to say she's introduced in the mid-90s maybe or reintroduced. Mm -hmm. She's the first person to wear the new Cassandra Cain Batgirl outfit. Now that oh, really? in yeah. your hands is uh, a recent one that's uh, a Batman story with Huntress. It's in Detective. It's part of the neighborhood. And I was thinking about adding that on this season. It's a really cool character design, I'll tell you that. I feel like... Dan is kind of new Jim Lee to me, Dude, and I actually don't even I actually don't it. even feel like this about Dan Moore. You're talking about, yeah. yeah. Like Dan has quickly become one of those dudes that I just want to see his take on everything, like everybody's characters. Mm. Like, Dude, please like, redesign their suit. The way that his Batman looks, the way that his characters like in the suit look so good, but mm -hmm. then also the female characters and their facial expressions. Like so often, you get a guy who's really good at one and does all female characters, mm -hmm. or really good at the other, and does all the big brute characters, uh, right? And man, he just has both. Yeah, he's super good. I love that they, uh, you can't see this audience, but in this cover, it's like a 50-50 vertical split, but Huntress. It's kind of like the Hush cover, honestly, yeah, of I love Batman that, and, and that Hush. Yeah, I love both 
you know, but grabbing their equivalent uh, gloves and pulling them down. So you have like the finger crossover and the hand crossover. That's mm-hmm. super cool. Yeah. Usually they would just split a face. So anyhow, people are surrounding. Huntress steps in, takes everybody down. She puts his body into the Batmobile and says to Oracle, he feels broken like it just i just imagine like a a bag of chicken bones (laughs) yeah (laughs) in in liquid yeah (laughs) yeah wet gross and the last panel shows that hush was observing from a nearby rooftop i look we don't know yet we we haven't heard that name yet no we haven't and and i'm gonna use that as we go (laughs) because it's a long time before that name is actually said aloud but we know from the cover of the book. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I looked up that quote, and that is also Aristotle. Yeah, they're all. I looked up that one so I could pretend like I knew it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Aristotle. You guys don't read Aristotle? <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It gets you, me through the day. No, no, no. You didn't read that issue yeah. of Detective Comics by <laughs> Aristotle? Philosophy. <laughs> In the scene where they're trying to get his cowl off, I wanted to point out both the color work of the gas and, and the, similar to Batman 89 is that what you liked about it because no, that's your favorite yeah, movie yeah how he fell and he's in a trash pile no it felt very familiar no that's not what I wanted to point out Hush was overlooking like Vicky with the camera you know these guys he's are like, like I'm Hush oh my god is that Michael Keaton no none Check of that is what I wanted to point out I didn't want to point any of that out <laughs> the the gas that comes out of his cowl and then the electricity that comes off it yeah I like what I'm assuming is to be a very digital effect or digital colors, but how the gas is a bright, bright green and then the electricity is a bright, bright blue against everything else in the scene is almost the same color. Yeah. Which the first time when the scene is established, I I almost thought that was a negative. Like this is kind of a dull looking scene, but those effects stand out because of that. Everything else is gray and Mm -hmm. like characters and background all kind of meld together because of that. Those effects just really stand out. Mm -hmm. I love... Alex Sinclair's blue, gray, green, cool palette in this book. Mm-hmm. And then it makes those things jump. Like even in the first issue, when we see Ivy's green and her red hair, like mm. just pop, it's like a big reveal just that she's in the room because she stands out like a sore everything. thumb, yeah. you know. And there was another scene pretty early on here that was using like reds in a really interesting way. Oh, right, right. Okay, it's coming up. I think that's one of the coolest things about digital colors is that, say, in the past, if somebody was looking through a window, maybe the objects on the other side of the window would just still be inked in black, but then all the other space would be blue. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's, it's glass. Or they might color those black lines blue so that you're, like, seeing the black lines oh, through, it's, it's the, diffused. through mm-hmm. the blue thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the way they can pull that kind of transparency and translucence off now with digital colors is like way cooler as if you're actually seeing something behind something that's see-through or what they can do with light effects like the um, Batmobile's headlights which clearly weren't drawn by the artist they just get added in in the afterword, Jim talked about how this was sort of early on in digital coloring. It and seems that like it. Alex's work on this and evolution through it. Like if you look at some of these early ones, you're like, "Huh, that's that's pretty muted, right?" Versus how vibrant it becomes throughout. Mm-hmm. That that did help kind of set the bar for like what could be done. Well, another connection, and I think we see it a little later because it becomes a daytime scene. Maybe this really reminded me of 
the beginning of the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo run of both his art style, which mm -hmm. I didn't make that connection. They just have that similar kind of like, it's not an anime aesthetic, but something about the designs reminds me of that, of like small eyes and big jaws and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that also combined with the colors. Cheeky faces. <laughs> Cheeky. Yeah, lots of, oh, yeah. Lots of <laughs> meat yeah. on the face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that combined with the oranges we're going to see in the daytime scene later, and then also the digital effects overlaid. The scene it really reminds me of is like the, when they're at the big meeting and there's like the blue computer graphics of what they want Gotham to look like. Mm -hmm. This just looks like that to me. And I know it's the other way around because this came first, but like yeah. the similarities there. And Greg Capullo was active in this era too, I would imagine, so. Yeah, uh, yeah I think he was on Spawn back so yeah, then. Yeah, maybe Spawn mm -hmm. still. Uh, little things, well, one, um, operating room scene, doctor, bloody glove hands, middle fingers together. <laughs> oh, interesting, yep. yeah. And then, but his gloves, like the way that they're... They're fused together, that's what it is. <laughs> yes, yeah, the fingers are, everybody's fingers are fused together, but, you know, make these black lines into like a peach color mm -hmm. to show that they're in gloves, that's super cool. All right, so moving along, because it's a long story, long story. Ivy gives the money to hush off screen, which we can assume because we see the dotted line speech bubbles that Richard Starkings is applying here. And when we look at her character design of Ivy's full figure, it really feels like an homage to Tim Sale. Mm. The way that there's just the little bits of leaves and vines all over the place. And it's taking what he had done in an almost grotesque way at times and yes. applying it to a more fucking hot design. Okay, yes. Yep. There was I there didn't was have a, a gentler way to well, say it. I they let were you barely say out of the nineties. This is when everything's fucking hot. True. There was there was one part that gave me shivers with like the somebody has uh some vines around their neck to show that they're like being kind of controlled but it gave me i all remember sorts you really of, didn't like that before yeah yeah, yeah. It, it gave me like yeah <laughs> nails uh, on a chalkboard feeling kind yeah of. it gave me like leaf sweater ptsd <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry to bring you back to that yeah back at the cave alfred assesses the damage on bruce's body on an operating table and quickly decides this is not within his skill set. That two-page spread is actually one of the things that is burned into my memory. Because I remember the story from this book, the broad strokes. Yeah. But I didn't have a lot of other big visual memories. But that scene in particular vividly stands out in my memory of just like fucked up Bruce lying on the table and Alfred standing over him. And then the digital heads-up display they're using to like mm. diagnose show his problems. His, show his skull and yeah. stuff. Which is cool because I instantly thought of Nightfall. Do you remember that shot where it's Alfred and Jean-Paul and Tim Drake? And it's almost a Sin City thing. It's overhead. There's a lot of black. And then there's just a lit area of the hospital bed in the, in the back cave and, and the three of them standing around him. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like if you were really thrown into that room. Like what it would really look like if you were standing bedside in, mm. in that with them. Because, I mean, they even mention... Chandra Kinsolving, who was his doctor in that, like, oh, I could call her. And Alfred's like, I don't think she's right in the head. Um, <laughs> and then Bruce starts tapping his fingers because he can't communicate as far as they know. He's fucking dead to the world. And he's tapping his fingers and 
Alfred starts to realize a pattern. Oh, is that Morse code? Oh, shit, that's Thomas. That's weird. He thinks I'm his dad, op you know, operating on him, whatever. And then he thinks, oh, surgeon. Thomas Elliot, maybe? I don't know if it's implied that he tapped out the full name, but... He's going to say, tomorrow I'll be better. <laughs> like, oh, Tommy Elliot, get <laughs> this guy to surgery yeah, right now. He just keeps cutting him off. <laughs> Shut up. Tommy tomorrow. Call Tommy tomorrow. <laughs> so Thomas Elliot... The famous surgeon flies in from Philly to save Bruce after his quote-unquote car accident. In Westford. <laughs> a flashback shows Thomas and Martha lovingly watch over Bruce and Tommy as they play chess or something. This is a made-up game. This is a, fi this is a fictional game. <laughs> they they refer to it once as yeah, war. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. And they look down and they think, wow. I think our little weirdo loner kid finally found like a friend for life is what they said. A cocky ass Thomas Elliot walks out of the operating table. This is what you were talking about where he had his, his gloves up. <laughs> and he tells jokes to the press like, oh yeah, I fucking nailed that shit. No, no, what do you expect? Well, I don't I know if Mr. Rule. Wayne will ever play the violin again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His hands are really fucked. Yeah. But I did a good job with everything else. And the last page shows Bruce's recovery on the front page of the newspaper. And we see, I assume again, Hush's hands rip this apart uh, to make confetti. I don't I, I assume in anger. Scrapbooking. Yeah. Did... Yeah, it's paper mache. Uh, did Bruce ever play the violin? No. Yeah, you don't remember. No, I don't. <laughs> so in his origin story, <laughs> yeah. originally they weren't going to see Zorro. They were going to his violin performance. Yeah, it's actually the fiddle. Tommy got it wrong. <laughs> the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul steal. All right, 610 opens with Batman visiting Croc in his cell. This is the part where I was talking about the fucking vibrant reds and everything looks way different than what we've seen. He becomes agitated, Croc does. He breaks out of his cell, which is apparently what Batman and then we see Amanda Waller had planned. They were provoking this. He had put an implant in Croc's spine when he was fighting him or something. I want to say they, they want to track him. They're in Granted, he's a huge monster man, so maybe he feels things a little different, especially after he just got beat up. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, it's a tracker the size of a hat pin. Mm -hmm. Hat pin is like a five-inch long piece of metal. Hmm. I, you would notice that if that was anywhere in your body. <laughs> you I don't know. If he's like eight like, feet tall, it's a pretty yeah, small percentage. So it could be different. But yeah, he's got it, scales. To have that in your spine. He's got like thick dinosaur skin, Ben. <laughs> yeah. It, it had to be so big in order to perforate his... Epidermis. Thomas checks in on Bruce at home, and Alfred provides the cover story. We see a flashback of a young Tommy at their door, in a similarly rainy setting, coming to Alfred and saying, his parents were in a car accident. They do a lot of things in this story where we're mirroring past and present, or we're mirroring two different characters. Very fucking effective every time. They do a pretty good job of introducing this character and trying to insinuate him as be like, no, he's been here all along. Yes. This isn't somebody we've invented for the story. This is a character who's part of this world and connected in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. You know, Tommy. You know, <laughs> the game that's not quite chess. <laughs> 
Bruce was equally cocky in this flashback saying that his dad's the best surgeon and everything will be fine, right? Tommy's parents in a car accident. Thomas Wayne being the surgeon. Ah, don't worry about it. My dad fucking rules, right? I'm nine years old. When Tommy's dad doesn't make it, he gives Bruce a smack to the face and blames him for lying. Uh, back in the present, Batman and Oracle together are tracking Croc when someone off screen blows off the front wheel of the Batmobile on the driver's side. He remarks, much like the whole thing in Under the Red Hood about no one can cut my lines, that it would be nearly impossible to blow off the wheel of the Batmobile, but he doesn't also really have time to fucking think about the meaning of that or deal with it in any way. He has to just keep chasing Croc. He doesn't want to lose the mission. He is in the middle of a car crash, so it's hard to... Also, other but he's not like using the crash to stop and go, okay... How did that happen? What's going on? You know, it's like, nope, nope, we're just going to leave that wreckage back there. I'll come and get it later. <laughs> but they also don't, they only revisit that in the, like... Recap? Yeah. Putting the pieces together yeah, montage. Yeah, putting the pieces yeah. together like, oh, there's a deeper meaning to your tire explosion. But they also don't explain, like... How? How that happened still. Like... That's true. Yeah, just what... So, villain has access to... Super bullets, like what it, and he's the best shot in the world. Yeah, and also he's an incredible marksman. It's best well, shot. At one point, the famous Batman villain. <laughs> best shot. <laughs> best well, shooter boy. At one point, he's going. Well, wait. What about Deadshot? What about you know all these people who like yeah. who could have done that? So he does question it, but we don't see the mechanics I, of it. Yeah, I, yeah. That's uh, just the logistics. Uh, like, never mind. <laughs> and he's fetched, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> and his impression here is that someone really does not want him to catch Croc. Now, when he does, world's of greatest detective. Croc <laughs> is about to. He's in my way on this. If I had to, Croc is about to kill Catwoman for stealing his money. She's trying to explain that hey, Ivy set us both up. I've had nothing to do with this really. Batman swoops in to save her, and Waller's feds or whatever these helicopters show up and. I mean, essentially, Batman got what he kind of needed, but she kind of broke the deal and just swooped him up in a net and takes Croc away. This section, I also want to point out, this is where I just wrote in my notes, Richard Starkings. Yes. Just appreciating the narrating bubble, the way that text looks, the standard speech, and then also Croc speech. Just, mm -hmm. again, like the yeah. being able to do so many things in a way that is innocuous. So, like, you, you don't notice because he's doing it perfectly. There are some pages of this book that get too wordy, particularly towards the end. Mm, mm -hmm. But not his fault; he didn't write. With it. a what I'm saying, with a less experienced letterer, it would be way more noticeable. Because mm. it really wasn't until I'm like, "Wow, this is covering like 20 percent of the page," <laughs> before I really started to be like, "Oh, this a little is, too this much." Book. So, I don't know the yeah, comic here. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on on top of this art. I like when characters are given like a slightly different, some visualization of their character or voice that fits them. Yeah. You know, when. Like a Two Face or yeah, something. Yeah, when Two Face's letters are weird or when Croc's speech looks monstrous or something like that. Yeah. You, again, you don't want it to be like super huge, but I also I like when um, not just. Not like the sound word 
fits the action, yeah. but the intensity. The letters are bigger because the dude is yelling, mm-hmm. and the way that this looks fits it's the character. It's got like red itself. outlines with green shading on it. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, it's cool. And how many times have you been reading a book where you know it'll change scene at the end of the page? Right, there'd be a quote that starts the next scene before you see the visual. Right, it looks like a giant. Like Johnson. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> m- movies do that shit all the time, right? But in a comic, you can't really differentiate whose voice that is if it's just the same plain yeah. text, right? Mm. And so. Oh, it was Aristotle. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like when they do those character defining looks for the speech bubbles, too. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Or even in um, the Batman Superman one, how the bubbles. Not the bubbles, but the, the, inner the thought bubble. Yeah, they would either they would just be colored differently, or they would start with a logo. Like yeah. top left, it would be bat logo and a blue box. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, uh, Red Hood's face. Okay, he's talking now. Yeah, which gotcha. is interesting because that's also Jeff Loeb. So I wonder if any of that is scripted. I don't remember the character's name, but Luther's aide or whomever that is. It was at that point that I realized, like, oh, this is simultaneously Ed McGinnis's. Batman, Superman, Luther's, because I haven't read a bunch of other yeah, stuff. That is, yeah, it's around that, that time. That is that yeah. timeline that I was like, yeah. okay, I get where we're supposed to be at. The kind of stuff we wouldn't see in Long Halloween because it was like, didn't have Years to worry about continuity. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of this book, it's worth noting that it sort of solidifies the romance of this series where Selena gives Batman a kiss as she's grateful for being saved. We get a lot of that through this story. And honestly, as soon as I finished it, I was like, damn, I got to read that Batman Catwoman stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I really want to. It reminded me of that. that, especially because Lois comes in in a minute and that's a dynamic in there too. The three way scene? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty hot. Yeah. It took me a while to read that. I wanted to point out in this scene that I really liked, especially because they did such a good job of making Croc into a monster. Yeah. The nice little bit at the end where he's like, you don't understand. I need this money to fix what's wrong with me. I can't control yeah, this. I'm not trying to be like this. Yeah, I hate this. And then both that of like a moment of humanization and then Batman and then recognizing like, that. Who cares, dick? Yeah. Go back to yourself. <laughs> you got this team of people. I'm going to blow your head off if you don't go kill these foreigners. Um, no, but that <laughs> he has that he has that revelation to Batman and then Batman even himself, I wrote it down, he's like, the look in his eye, the monster had overcome him of like seeing that in him, that constant mm. quality that makes Batman special of empathy and understanding. Even the people he's kicking the shit out of, yeah. he understands them and he feels for them and even that reflection of himself of like going too far into what he's become. Yeah, I feel so bad snapping this man's clavicle. <laughs> Kicking him in the eyeball. <laughs> I can really imagine what that's going to feel like. Yeah. As his skull is concussed. You'll never be able to see again. For the sixth time. Turn him into a bag of chicken bones and <laughs> petroleum jelly. 611 opens with lots of Bruce Wayne throughout this, this issue. This is not the most action-packed issue. He visits Metropolis, runs into Thomas, who is concerned about Bruce's being out and about. He's not resting, minding his recovery. Uh, They briefly reminisce about when they were in Metropolis as young kids, as you mentioned, and witnessing the Green Lantern. I wrote Al Jolson because I don't remember what that Green Lantern's name is. It's not Al Jolson. That's a completely... That's a beach boy, isn't it? No, that's Al, Al, Al Jardot or Jardine. Jardine. Or, yeah. Al Jolson is the jazz singer. But it was something like that. Al Borland. 
No. The Green Lantern. How Hal Leonard is the modern Green Lantern, and this guy was like yeah, Hal Jordan. Andrew something. <laughs> Dismukes. The, yeah. This part also starts with another Samism to me. And, and it, and <laughs> what did I say? Narration, he goes, Metropolis. Oh. <laughs> it is very different from Gotham City. And for that alone... I try to avoid coming here. <laughs> like, All the uh, bright colors yeah, and yeah, same. fresh air. I'm not familiar with that. Sunshine. They light that's, it up like, that's it's, a good like reason they think for it's me. important. Yeah. <laughs> it's the second time in one of these flashbacks that a young Tommy says, Green Lantern's going to win. You have to think like your enemy. Also, that guy's name is The Icicle. And I was... <laughs> Yeah, even this blurb right here. That bad guy is the icicle. He'll never win. His name is terrible. <laughs> Not with a name he's, like that. Yeah, you won't. he's destined for a D roll. <laughs> I love this old Green Lantern design too. Yeah, it makes and me want to. We need to read Kingdom Come at some point. Yeah. But I yeah, I thought about it last year, and I, I just quickly skimmed it. I was like. Man, Batman's barely into this. We better push it. But he's it, fundamental back to the story. Yeah, yeah. He's not in it a lot, but he's fundamental to the story. Well, what I've been reading this year is also Dan Mora, but Mark Wade's World's Finest, mm. the Batman Superman stuff that's out now. It would be cool at one point to read Kingdom Come one episode and then the next one do the new World's Finest and kind of see the the evolution of that because mm. I'm really liking it. It's batshit crazy like all Batman Superman stuff is. But it's very clever. I mostly bought it for the art, but there's times where I'm like, that's fucking genius. Like, <laughs> I would have never thought of that. Yeah, the Batman that's with Superman is borderline a different Batman that exists. And this is also kind of set out of time. And so it's not current continuity either. He, he has it's a gun. Just, he shoots people. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> no, but it's sort of just like you can take this wherever mm. you want. It's Batman and Robin and Supergirl and, you know, anyway. This is actually the section where I made the note of similarities between Jim Lee and Greg Capullo. And also... Well, yeah, because this is the whole like plainclothes issue. And it's bright oranges and lots of like the digital colors. But then also Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld. Mm. I think Rob Liefeld is a, a less balanced artist as far as like what his strengths and his weaknesses are. But I see the same design ideas and like faces and bodies between the two of them. Like that, the hyper-muscular, not like huge, but extremely ripped and shredded square face, square jawed, big mm. like teeth gritting kind of expressions and faces. Uh, like Wolverine from this era kind of looks yeah. the same too. And wasn't Rob part of Image with Jim? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, just even in the details to me, like their way of hatching and cross hatching is like a school of 90s yeah. comic mm. book artists. There's a real similarity between them. One thing that's interesting about the cross hatching is you look at a page let's say with Bruce Wayne on it, there will be slightly smaller panels leading down the page to a larger panel, right? And as you get the close-up of the person, there's so much more shading every time he does a close-up, which is very interesting to me. I almost like the mid-size ones better than the ones that are like just super over-rendered at times. Yeah, I think that that's one thing that... I mean, that, dude, that shot of Thomas Elliot looks really good. No, though. I'm not saying that. I just mean, like, this middle where he's uh, three feet from the camera versus, like, inches from my face. Yes. The one thing I don't love about this style is just that I interpret details to mean something, not just to be 
details for the sake of details. Arbitrary. So an old person gets many lines because their face is wrinkly. A baby gets no lines because their face is smooth. I get shading based on lighting and stuff, but just the in and out of details, no details, it doesn't make a ton of sense to doesn't me. doesn't reinforce oh, the character. Here's yeah. a great example. Okay, so this is Bruce and Thomas in the car in Metropolis in the scene we're talking about. So if you look at Bruce here in the middle of the page <laughs> and then look at Bruce here at the bottom, there's so much more going on. It made me think of like Ren and Stimpy or SpongeBob where they, where they, yeah, where they do the super zoom in and it's like a painting Disgusting. all of a sudden. Like what's, well, yeah, his, what's his line in that part? It'll go to like the, uh, He's the, like harumph. the background <laughs> paintings. The, the yes. animated series does that sometimes where yeah, yeah. For, for a moment it'll show you a character that's part of the background painting, uh -huh. which is a different team than the people who are doing But it's also cells. usually like indicative of like a change of tone. Like Ben says something to me and then and then it's like boom on my face and I'm like Ben. <laughs> well, no, it's not at all. Right here, <laughs> you know, he's, he's talking line? about like not caring for your recovery, you know. Uh -huh. He just says, I take good care of myself. That's, no, that's no, I, to me, he's like, I take good care of myself. I, only, uh, I was only comatose six days ago, yeah, yeah. and I just got in a fight yesterday. Shut I'm up. doing a really good job. Yeah, yeah. Shut up, Tommy. I'm taking great care of myself. Well, as you're mentioning that, this shot is another one of those. It's Batman talking to Amanda Waller after they've sort yeah. of talking about they intentionally released Croc, and they're like, I hope your plan works, you idiot. Yeah. But this is one of the ones that, to me, seemed intentional because this Batman seems almost Dark Knight Returns Batman. More aged. The hatching yeah. works to show a weathering that I feel like is mm -hmm. on the character For versus sure. a lot of the other ones like you're talking about that don't seem to be that. They're more just like... It works a lot um, more, again, in costume than on some of the plainclothes ones where I'm like, what are you showing me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He does also seem to do, though that panel is contrary to what I'm saying right now, that Bruce seems to get less lines and Batman gets more just to, I don't know, show the grittiness of the character or something yeah. like that. He's got the Affleck thing where he, he shaves as Bruce Wayne, but not as Batman. Yeah, he, go, he goes in and out on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Stubble, we all? He has, what? At the Daily Planet, Bruce surprises Lois with flowers, and he has to borrow her computer while he's in town so he can check in with Oracle. He notes the similarity between Jim Gordon and Perry White, Brilliant investigators with a blind spot for their caped partners. I like that. Again, sort of Loeb's Batman-Superman stuff. The duality between the two of them. I just love the way he writes them together. Bruce has Selina on his mind all day. She's constantly distracting him throughout this middle section of the story. When she pages him, which uh, pager, she has a great line about how Ivy made me do things I may have been prone to do, but that's my decision. No one gets to violate me like that. I like that Selena is still a take no shit, nobody's going to fuck with me, I play by my own rules kind of person. It's an interesting little beat about consent of yeah. like, maybe I would have done it, I probably would have done it, but the fact that... You can't tell me what to do. Yeah, you're yeah, like, not my real dad. Yeah. But that comes in a confrontation later where it's more like the... Nobody hits me. Like that's the last time you ever do that. And I'm Nobody makes you. me bleed my own blood. <laughs> <laughs> Little Ben Stiller. I, I think it's just seeing in type, but for the first time, uh, it says Lois and Clark, and I was like, 
Lewis and Clark? <laughs> Who came up with this? We did a play in elementary school about Lewis and Clark, and I was really bummed. When <laughs> you were like really excited. Yeah, at you, first. yeah you come in like a Superman like, costume. Who are going to be Terry Hatcher and Dean Kane? Yeah, everybody else is wearing beaver skin hats. <laughs> what? Um, this right here looks very Natalie Portman esque to me. And Describe I like to the audience. This is Batman and this Catwoman. This is, uh, yeah, Batman, right. Catwoman on a rooftop. Never been on one of those before. <laughs> so this <laughs> is when, this is during uh, oh, the consent conversation? He's giving her, like, the tracker or whatever it is and, like, holler at me if you get in trouble. He oh, gives, okay. He gives okay. her the little button Prior fingers. The, what's the old people, Pager. like, uh... No, pay, uh, the, uh, life, life alert. alert. Yeah, <laughs> he gives Catwoman the life alert. I can't get up. Yeah. That's basically what happened when Huntress came, actually. He had the life alert for <laughs> yeah, Oracle. Yeah, if you slip in no, the shower, holler at your boy. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. This <laughs> panel in particular, she's holding it between her fingers and her face looks... Very much like Natalie Portman, and it made me think it was that, like nine at the time, sure, <laughs> but, it, but it also made me think that she could make a nice looking Catwoman. Huh. Oh, totally cool! But it's also just, I think, again, of this like 90s style, yeah, in which Jim Lee does a very good job of, of like, I mean, when we talk about 90s style, I mean, he's kind of the dude, yeah, yeah, so yeah. well, yeah. just the way, he, <laughs> the way he draws faces, like his version of women. They all look like supermodels. Like mm -hmm. the features, like the angular cheeks, the, the lips, waist all that. Lines. Yeah. Because I'm looking at Lois Lane and seeing it's the same thing. And yeah. that's yeah. Not, not in a bad way. It's, and not like you can't distinguish who the characters are because yeah. not like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, he definitely has style for days. There's a phenomenal splash page in here of Batman on the hood of the Batmobile, I think, as the headlights shine at the camera. Yeah, right there. And man, that is one of my favorite. Like, there's at least one page in each book where it's just like, yeah, and greatest of all time, here you go. <laughs> Enjoy. Check, please. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's like, like Marilyn it, Monroe, he's standing on the grate. And the yeah, it's just, it's like, it's <laughs> just the character. Blowing the cape. Yeah. I love Panties like, in there. The silhouetting, it's so good. Yeah, and he like a badass. has a couple shots where it's like a side profile or like a three-quarter angle of his face. Seeing it on the page, I'm like, Oh my God, that's the basis for every Batman head sketch that he does to this day mm. is that right there. Like I'm seeing it the first time he did mm -hmm. it on the page. You, know? you, you arrived and you stayed there. That's <laughs> my thing. I found it. Well, some of those too, like the, the Jim Lee shots of Batman like on a gargoyle side profile looking out, mm -hmm. like they use that in the Arkham games. That's like the start screen and they realize this imagery works and will connect with people. Catwoman feigns mind control and approaches Ivy, but she doesn't buy it. They fight it out. When Batman is about to break it up, the whole fucking place explodes and Superman bursts through. And there's this great sort of like, as you start to hear a rumbling right before it happens, Batman's kind of like, oh, fuck not now. <laughs> you know? It's like you at the movie theater. <laughs> 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 My tummy, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God, not now. Uh, uh, Catwoman smacks Ivy or something. Ivy says, there's money, so much money that, not interested, but I have been curious. Do you bleed green? And your face already has blood on it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of this sweet-ass line. Yeah, yeah, red blood. Wasted. Yeah, but man, that's, I wish I had hit you already. That's the opposite of when you get surprised by somebody, and then like an hour later you think of the comeback because you weren't ready for it, right? <laughs> but she was like going there thinking, oh, I know what I'm going to fucking say. No, you're the idiot. <laughs> yeah, I just punched her too fast. 
Yeah, so Superman under Ivy's control. That's the end of the issue. Pretty big fucking mic drop. And that's another kind of long Halloween shot. That's what that reminds me of with Ivy on Superman. Oh, Just that's... Just like the seduction oh, yeah. mind control. Yeah. Evan loves so much that he has framed in his bathroom. Yeah, that's who, that's who I was thinking. I couldn't remember who got mind controlled, but it's totally... It's, Soups. Yeah, it's, cl- it's Clark character. with the... Yeah, it's Clark with <laughs> the... Vibe. forgettable no. guy. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right, 612. Icicle. Batman and Catwoman <laughs> you know. dive underwater to escape, and they split up. Batman fights Superman underground in these lead-lined tunnels with a kryptonite ring and every gadget you could think of. This is another one that felt like an homage to Dark Dark Knight Returns. Absolutely. Both in the, like, if I'm going to fight Superman, I have to have, like, all these things already lined up and know what I'm going to do, and I'm use the whole power of the city to shock him, and it's going to give me eight seconds to do something else. Yeah. In a way, I like this version better. This is what BVS should have aspired to more than DKR, I think, because it's thorough and effective while being brief and allowing them to shift back to being on the same side. But the motivation in this is way more understandable then, because that's what I complained about with Batman versus Superman of like, yeah. if you're trying to get him to talk to you, you don't attack him and start fighting. This guy is mind controlled, so you have no choice but to defend yourself and try and fight him. Yeah. And yeah. I also had a moment too of, when you combine Batman and Superman, or really Batman and like any other hero from DC when they're like universe heroes and space people, this is a different character than the Batman who lives in his city and does ninja stuff. Yeah. As soon as Superman showed up, I was like, well, he would just pop his head off in an instant or like kill him right away. But like, if I will he ex- wasn't in his right mind. Or if, he, if his goal was like, I need to protect Ivy and I'm going to fight Batman who's trying to hurt her. Uh-huh. But that's he would where just we get him. this famous line that deep down, Clark's essentially a good person. Yeah. And deep down, I'm not. Well, even before that, he says... Clark could squish me into the cement. And yeah. I was like, okay, that's, you've addressed my immediate thought <laughs> yeah, in yeah. a way that like, is believable, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. You, you have to have a character acknowledge your question about the writing, or it's not like, yeah. or you're going to think that they just didn't think about it. Yeah, he's not just fast. He thinks fast. He would just kill him instantly. On that note, he tells Clark to look up where Catwoman more or less pushes Lois off the skyscraper of the Daily Planet to her death. Of course, he he breaks free. That's enough to just instinctually make him bolt and save her. Which is another good Superman characterization because it's not just that he's the strongest and the fastest. It's that he's just sheer willpower and determination. Like even if he wasn't ultra strong, he would just, he would never quit. He just can't allow that to happen. He can't allow people to get hurt on his watch. Batman would kill people if he was under... That part seemed yeah, a little control. funny to me because it made it seem like rescuing her instantly snapped him out of it. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't, after he that, didn't return back to it afterwards. <laughs> no, so, no. so like he didn't. So he did. Yeah. So that took him. That that was hundred percent out of why'd it. Why'd you say that name? Yeah. Yeah. So hundred percent out of it. He doesn't return now that he's like completed his like two second task. The poison is not still in his yeah, system. Yeah, it's not. It just instantly disappeared. That seems kind of funny to me. Well, I, I don't think so because they talk at one point about, I can't remember which character who was also controlled by Ivy, mentions that like, you're aware, it might have been Superman later actually going, you're aware. It's sort of like an out of body experience. Like you're yeah, not in yeah. control, but you're aware of, what of what's doing. happening yeah. and yeah. what you're doing. And so 
I think if you are able to make that leap then from awareness to control, at that point, it's like, okay, well, you don't have a hold anymore. Which he can do, because that's what the other thing that makes Superman special. Again, not just the power, but he's sheer willpower and determination, and he never gives up, and he's just pure of heart. Yeah, if you do that to Selena, not going to work. Yeah. And I, I also gave it a pass because they lampshaded this a few scenes later when they described like, oh yeah, we got like synthetic kryptonite and you mix it in there. So maybe it's like yeah. a weird version. It's and not it, as potent. Yeah, it doesn't work the way it does on humans. That This scene gave me a little dumb and dumber, what if he shot you in the face <laughs> kind, of, <laughs> kind of feeling. It's <laughs> a chance we're willing yeah, to take. you could have gotten Lois killed. Or a risk we're what willing to take. What if he shot you in the face? So this next part is both awesome and kind of dumb. Maybe the goofiest part of the whole thing. Bruce, we're Batman, <laughs> Batman and Superman look at each other and they're like, I know just the person who can find her, right? And they show up, Batman shows up at Ivy's, she turns around, Superman's the other way, she runs to the other door, which, why would you run from Superman, first of all? And then that door opens and it's Crypto, the dog, growling at Icicle, her. Icicle, the villain. Yeah. yeah. And I'm Greatest. like, God damn it, that was the way they found her. That's that's too much of a cop-out. For one, it's like when you talk about, well, yeah, he solved the mystery, but we didn't see how he did it. Show the work. You know. Mm. What redeems the scene is that she sees the dog, she turns around like, are you fucking... And Selena just knocks her out. Crypto felt, to me, like when we talk about the artist going like, well, this is my chance. I've always wanted to draw Crypto. <laughs> I have to yeah. work yeah. him in the story somehow. Finally. And also going like... Okay, I was contractually obligated to work Superman and Metropolis and Lois end of the story. Now I want to get the hell out of here. Yeah. So the dog saved the day. That's well. <laughs> I like also just the contrast in the characters too, where she knocks out Ivy and then Superman goes, "Was that really necessary?" And Batman and Catwoman <laughs> in unison they share a speech bubble and say, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> We're about beating prisoners. She had that coming. <laughs> well, really, I mean, if you don't. Knockout Poison Ivy. It's like my complaint when I was halfway through the uh, Arkham game the other day, and I was like, wait, he just gave Poison Ivy a talking to and said, please go back to your cell. Get along now. And I was like, Are you, that's going to be a problem for me later. Thanks, mm -hmm. guys. And sure enough, it was. But yeah. like, you, you can't leave anything to chance with someone that powerful. And you'd think that Superman would understand that not everybody can subdue people in the Instantly. way that he can yeah, yeah, yeah. not everybody can just like hold someone's wrists they're immobilized all right issue number 613 opens with bruce and selena and thomas elliott and leslie tompkins attending an opera benefit for leslie's practice the opera begins and the costume comes off and it's harley quinn on stage which i want to just acknowledge that Sometimes Harley is my least favorite Jim Lee character, and yet the classic Jester suit looks fantastic. I really like how he does this. So she surprises the audience. People who are disguised as orchestra members down there in the, in the pit, they put on their masks. They're part of the highest everyone. Guns come out, right? So and nobody in the orchestra was like, who are you? Who are you? Yeah. You who, filling in? You're yeah, yeah. That wrong. Who's this other You're sex holding that man? Wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, the brass is over there, buddy. <laughs> we don't have a tambourine player. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so they're uh, descending on the crowd. Thomas Elliot is like 
fuck that, I'm calling the police or whatever. And she ninja flip cartwheels up to the balcony. This was one where I was like, that wouldn't happen. It's a stretch. And then I saw she's wearing moon shoes. Yeah, ah. she has, yeah, she has springs on yeah, her Yeah, I'm okay with this. Then. Nice. Yeah. I immediately thought of the Nickelodeon or whatever. You see it advertised on TV where they're like, yeah. they were little trampolines for your feet. Oh, yeah. Moon yeah. boots, baby. So... She snatches this uh, family heirloom from Thomas. We see that it was, uh, it was like a jade pendant or something that, yeah. or emerald or something. That and was I work in a jewelry store. I've disassembled hundreds of those. Oh, really? <laughs> They're tchotchkes. They're, I mean, theirs is probably expensive and fancy, but like you get them. They're not as rich as the Wayne. You can tell yeah. the difference. I could. Yeah. So Harley steals that. Batman and Catwoman fight her off, and she actually shoots Catwoman. Harley shoots Selena. Batman swoops in to save her, and she's like, if you ever fucking swoop in to try to rescue me instead of going after the person that we're trying to catch, I'll fucking scratch your eyes out, you know? I was like, yes, that is what she would say. Oh, thank you. My big, strong man. Yeah. Thomas chases Harley. Don't touch me. That's the answer you get. Into the back alley. And as Batman gets out there, he just starts saying, no, no. And flip perspective, we see Thomas Elliot shot to death and Joker standing over him with, it's worth mentioning, the bang flag coming out of his gun. Uh, if yes. you were observant, you would connect those. I didn't. That's the end of the I knew issue. what happened, so maybe that was part of it, but I didn't connect that. I want to step back just a little bit. There's a few things in that scene. One we haven't really talked about yet, the the mixed styles, like in flashbacks of going to like a watercolor and a painting look. Mm -hmm. Yes, and sometimes that's effective. Good example is Joker Harley Criminal Sanity, where they have a permanent cast of multiple artists that feature past, present, you know, and various perspectives, right? So anytime it does that... It's this artist. It's that version, uh -huh. right? That shit works great. I think we saw it well... You know, it would switch off with the Batwoman flashbacks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that that's stuff these, well done. The childhood flashbacks remind me of that. But that's going to be one of my cons for this issue. They do not measure up at all to me. I liked it in this scene, though, because I like the mixing the shot composition. And there's even one where, like, the big puffballs on Harley's outfit, like, sort of blend into the pearls on Bruce's mother's That necklace. is very cool. And just I mean, that, that overall scene is, is a neat Nothing about the composition, like, the, the way the pages are laid out, Great. I have no qualms about that. It's just I fail to recognize Jim's style, and it seems like he's trying something that's sort of out of his wheelhouse a little bit. Like for something that's we talked about so often over-rendered and hyper-detailed, for him to then go less detailed and, I don't know, leave Alex to do the rest or mm -hmm. something... I don't know who's doing what in those pages. I can't even tell. Uh -huh. And so it's like, well, if you were afraid of trying to do the Tim Sale style and went opposite of that, maybe this is what you're nervous about. I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it was effective because it, it put the whole childhood memories in like a kind of washy, undefined, yes. like memories would be. Like you don't really, there's not a lot of details. It's more the big picture stuff. Yes, which I'm all for stylistically that kind of contrast and what they're doing. I just, it's hard to judge uh, an older title through modern eyes because even though this isn't that old, a lot of books coming out now are doing this kind of thing better. And so that's more fresh in my mind. Sure. 
I think that this is all Jim. It's either all Jim and he's using colored inks, like watercolors. Yeah. Or he's doing like a black ink wash and then the colors are being applied to some of it. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's just Jim probably penciling stuff and then doing uh, colored inks on top of it. Mm. Honestly, until you guys started talking about it, I didn't even connect that Jim also did those. I thought that was somebody else. But now yeah, looking like he's credited, I can so see I was the like, face. Yeah, yeah. I was like, who's yeah. doing he has what to here? alter his style because, like, if he was to do all of his little tiny lines, how would he do them? Because it yeah. can't be the ink, because mm-hmm. then the ink would be too prominent. So either it would have to be pencil, and then that would be kind of a weird contrast because you'd be like watercolors plus pencil lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you'd have to try to do that with a brush, but you can't make the lines wouldn't be quite as crisp and stuff. It's like splotchy. Or maybe that's also kind of the whole present day is happening currently and there's no memory involved and it's very detailed because I'm living it right now versus all of that stuff being kind of dreamy because it's yeah, I, I like Ben's characterization of that, that it's intentionally sort of washed out and yeah. less tangible, I guess. Yeah. The other things I wanted to point out in that scene... So he's like, oh, man, I just had a really bad head injury a few days ago, and I've been wearing a, he- a Kevlar cowl. And I just didn't wear it tonight because I decided thought, whatever. Not. But also, when I think of Kevlar, and I don't know anything about this stuff, so you can correct me if I'm wrong or someone can, I think of, like, it prevents penetration. But I'm having, listening. Hey, <laughs> but a giant, <laughs> super heavy... <laughs> fucking bag of sand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cracking you in the head, I don't feel like it would do much no. to negate that at all. I don't think so. Well, and even, like bulletproof vests are bulletproof not knife proof they act in a different way like a bullet is made to like travel fast impact quickly Mm. and then it intentionally squishes yeah Mm. to make like a bigger hole and so it's almost like the contrast between the two like materials that makes it effective Uh but a knife could still slip in there it cuts it different or a train Slamming into <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah. still the yeah, force yeah. of that will totally. still transfer into the yeah. object. So that is to say, I, I think that you're right. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't change impact. Should do well against cats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also to reinforce how fucked up he is in the story, which I didn't remember that he's like he's still very bullheaded. Yeah, he's he's like, like out of this from the beginning. I don't think that I need that. <laughs> yeah, it's almost a flaw of the story of how badly he's fucked up in the beginning versus how quickly he's just back on the scene like when they put him fully suited up in Croc's cell i was like when is this yeah how much time has passed they say they, they make year? a mention of six days later but yeah. it's just after that scene That's so he's wild man i don't want to say it's not like long halloween but it's like one of those stories where they do that where it's to sell why he's maybe not as awesome as he would be normally. Mm-hmm. Although it kind of doesn't seem like that he seems about as no. awesome as he ever is he just fought superman after that yeah, yeah. yeah. so it, that doesn't make sense Oh, by the way, there's a tail end of that scene after the Superman fight where they're cool with each other again, right? And they're kind of talking through, and Superman says, well, I'm glad that I gave you that ring yeah, because I knew I could trust you. And you're like, oh, shit. I thought this was some like sinister Batman shit, like I'm always ready for anyone, whatever. No, it was Superman going, hey, if anybody ever gets in my head, I need someone I can count on to stop me. 
Yeah, that's a really nice touch. Because then mm-hmm. it ends with the what are friends for? Exactly. And it shows Aristotle. The fuck. <laughs> Shout out to my boy. It shows the trust between them, even in a situation like that where it's the least likely reason that yeah. he would have had that. All right. So massive cliffhanger with the Joker, right? He's standing over Thomas Elliott's body. We start the next issue, 614, with a brief recap of Joker's history with flashbacks to the killing joke, No Man's Land, killing Sarah Essen, a death in the family. And those flashbacks look red. That Not what's being depicted, but just how, it, how it's being depicted. It's, it's very interesting because those are done differently. They're giving a red wash over the whole thing, and they're drawn more similarly. It feels very sinister. Yeah. This whole thing is great. And then a most recent flashback to him killing Thomas Elliot there, or Tommy as he's now referred. We call him T.E. I love this part where where he's punching Joker and it's going back and forth between his internal and Joker talking. That cover of it is great too. Oh yeah, I mean the cover is crazy. Batman, I cannot, Joker, stop. I will not stop uh, as he's punching him like, yeah I, that's yeah. so cool yeah and he's going stop 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 over and over and you think he's just saying like stop punching me and, yeah, and yeah. then he finally lets up for a second and joker goes stop me if you've heard this one yeah, right. yeah, yeah it's telling a joke <laughs> oh, i just man. love how they go together because he's had you if you didn't have the benefit of seeing what batman is thinking then yeah, it would just be the punching and the stop. joke and the joke. Yeah, stop, stop, stop. Well, stop. on the animated T-fly. version, that's what it is, and so I don't think I even read into it the way you did that. He's also kind of finishing his yeah, sentences it's, yeah, in it's, his it's head. a pacing thing. Yeah, okay. won't stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. So before that, he's thinking back to all those things with Jason Todd and Sarah Essen and all these things. Barbara Gordon, Batman decides that this history is justification to finally kill Joker. He's caught up in the emotion. He's like, I'm ending the cycle right fucking now. Harley tries to fight him off, gets kicked out of the frame really quickly. Selena intervenes, and this is fucking nuts. This shows how affected Batman is. Yeah, that painting of Barbara is great. That painting of Barbara is amazing. It gave me both like Daphne and Velma combined into one character. Mm. But I just, yeah, the colors, just that's what a what a fantastic like, yeah, the, the, the other, the other like stuff <laughs> yeah the other stuff seems like a memory that seems like a dream that's like she's an idealized all, like yeah she's, like she's this, glowing the, the best memory where of her she, ever well it's, uh, it's like where she would be today i think is what he's seeing like mm-hmm. she should be suited up with me right now but, like in v for vendetta where she's reading the note that's the other oh, prisoner yeah. story and she's telling about like reading this other girl on or meeting this other girl on set but it's like the laundry lines and it's totally summer glowy and you get like a centered face turnaround it feels like that definitely that's what i wanted to be in killing joke that i never got of like remember she's bad girl yeah she's important too Uh she's significant so this part is fucking crazy he takes harley down really quickly selena who has just been shot comes up whips him right he like whips his hand back as he's about to punch him again or something like that and is basically like dude you'll fucking regret this don't do it and without hesitation he punches her fucking bullet wound again this guy just stopped the mission to save her after getting shot right and this is how much of a 180 this is how much has changed in that two minute period that now she's back and he's going to take advantage of that vulnerability in a fight. I mean, 
Wow. I also really like the, both the connecting it in the story, because so he's, he's walking through in his memory all the things Joker has done. Yeah. And so now we're at the part where he's thinking about Jason Todd and thinking about like, you know, dickhead skills. Dick was a acrobat and a gymnast. He could do he that. He said dickhead skills, and I was really confused. <laughs> yeah, man. Go yeah. on. Dick had Dick skills. Dick had skills, and he was a gymnast and an acrobat. And he says, Jason only had rage. And in this scene, Batman is succumbing to his rage and mm-hmm. just like completely giving it. And uh, guilt. And guilt, yeah. And attacking Catwoman to stop her from stopping him. But then also the foreshadowing and the tying that in of what we're going to see in the story just shortly. Like, mm-hmm. this is a really, really nice set piece and introduction to what comes next. Yeah. As Catwoman's talking to him, she says, look, if the roles were reversed, it's kind of like Superman with the ring. If the roles were reversed, you know you would do anything in your power to stop me from doing something like that that I'd regret, right? And he just sticks his finger in her bullet Which is so true. Yeah, and he just fucking... mm, And finally, he's beating on Joker and he's thinking about... I could kill him this way. I could crush his windpipe. I could crush his skull. I could do this, right? And Gordon shows up out of nowhere, actually fires on him, grazes him twice, once in the arm, and shoots off one of his little ears on his cowl, which is like fucking Rokusaki in the flashback, Ninja Turtles. He raised his katana and severed my ear. Gordon promises the third one won't miss. Third shot won't miss, right? He appeals to Batman's moral code saying, if I wouldn't do it after he shot my daughter, killed my wife, why would I let you do it now? Everyone's appealing to his sanity here, and he's just not hearing it. Well, in this shot of Batman with the bloody hands completely silhouetted, that's amazing. In between Gordon, yeah, yeah. um, And, And can I just say... I had raved about Tim Sales Gordon before, and Jim Lee's Gordon is just fantastic. Yeah. I love his look. He's not in the story a lot, but man. Just the perfect age, the perfect amount of grizzle. Oh, well, yeah, this is like a retired Gordon, too. He's not a police officer for some reason yeah. at this point. I don't remember. But Batman's line here, I really like, as Gordon is saying all that, like, he did this to me and that to me, and I wouldn't do it. Why would I let you do it? And his Batman's answer of just, how many more lives are we going to let him ruin? Like, what everyone Gordon's says. Gordon's saying, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because you're not be- going to let him You ruin become yours. him if you do this, and I will stop you. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, like, if you do that, then you're the same to. What's the difference? You know, he's in an I'll lead the fucking chase you can to kick stop you. As many people in the spine as you want. <laughs> yeah. Do not kill the Joker. Mm-hmm. It crosses the line. But just that bloodied shot with the silhouette, I think that's amazing. That would be great neck tattoo or whatever it just looks Ben Affleck back tattoo <laughs> it reminds me of Midnighter in um, The Authority because Midnighter is a Batman analog and he's constantly covered in blood it just really looks like that meanwhile Joker stop 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 if you heard this one before but what we didn't get to is I'm innocent I didn't do it which is kind of a funny thing to say because of course every Criminal who gets caught, it wasn't me, I didn't do it, right? As he's fucking crushing his fucking face. Because it's the Joker, of course he did it, right? We see Hush looking down from the rooftop again, observing Batman and Gordon. You see Joker and Thomas Elliot on the ground. I think, to a certain extent, as you're reading this, Evan, you'd be the perfect person to tell me because this is fresh to you. As you're reading this, you have a mysterious villain character we know very little about, seems to know a lot about Batman. And the whole rest of the story is 
this brand new character from his past, mm -hmm. are you immediately suspecting that this guy is the dude? Who do you um, think it is at this point? I still thought it was Tommy. Prior okay. to Tommy dying, you thought it was him the whole time, right? It was just visually. And they could have not steered me in this direction had they not made him look like sinister. It's the Lincoln well, March thing. Well, yeah, they, they made him like look <laughs> sinister at points. Like, And you could have just not done that because they don't have interactions or anything. That I mean, they have fights as children. It's not a stretch to think that you conjured this character specifically for this story and they might have a larger role than just being a surgeon person. Yeah, why, yeah. why are you showing him so much? Why yeah. is he yeah. still around? Yeah. yeah. So Why I, was he in I, Metropolis? They never answered that, but anyway. Was the opera in Gotham? Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't know about I know that. I'm right, um, like always. Yeah, oh, I, I wait. still... They had to... No, they flew him from Philly. I was like, maybe he's from... Nope, he's not. Yeah, I still thought it was him. I, even when his body's there, I'm like... I intentionally looked at like there's the rooftop <laughs> shot of Hush observing, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Okay, is his body still on the? Yep, his body's still on the ground. Mm -hmm. All right, nice work." And uh, then Hush has another Aristotle quote. He's like, "Mo money, mo problems." <laughs> <laughs> Does Arkham just employ dentists to do like dental repair work? <laughs> <laughs> they got so like, many veneers in there. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Or facial reconstruction. I yeah, mean, to yeah, get punched in the face by a guy who's really good at it, repeatedly. In Sleepy Hollow. Have you guys seen that movie before? No. I'll it's in high school. What? I saw it in high school. Oh, it's funny, actually. Ichabod is like actually bringing science to the table where everybody else is just like, ah, oh, scene of the crime. I you, think he did it. You're the guilty party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or whatever. And so they find a body in the river. It gets taken to the jail. Ichabod is like trying to get a closer look. And the jailer person is like, when you find him in the river, cause of death is drowning. And, and Ichabod's <laughs> like, maybe, but also, maybe not. Maybe I could figure out that he like was. Like if this guy was shot in the face. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. That doesn't hold up. He was Ma chopped into pieces. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, well, maybe if I take a closer look at him, I, I could find something else out. And then as they're having this back and forth and the dude's like, No. Then a couple cops arm in arm bringing this dude whose face is just so messed up. And the jailer guy's like, what happened to him? We caught him jaywalking. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they just like kick him in this pit cell and like call it good. Sleep it off. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, dudes would, just be show yeah dudes would just be showing up all the time just getting their ass kicked. And so the last thing I'll mention job security this scene back in the present, Hush is looking down on all this that just happened and he says to himself he is innocent referring to the joker and he flips a scarred coin to be contuver <laughs> there was parts of this where i was like what <laughs> yeah kind of like what and also just kind of like i don't like this it seems different to me when something super dope happens and i'm like totally along for the ride and that was clever mm. and not everything is like a cool complex detective story just because you include a lot of really <laughs> weird stuff in it and that's how this stuff made me feel like he flips the coin and i'm like two-face <laughs> why what yeah like why and and not in a like oh cool way just in a like what the fuck <laughs> like what is what's going on you i don't this is another one that makes me think of like if you were reading it month to month. 
That's, you had to, if you had to wait yeah, a month yeah. or two weeks, and yeah. like, so you ended with that. Yeah. Was that exciting in a way that it's not when you're consuming it all at once and you kind of know already also? Yeah. I thought about that after the fact too, that it was 12 issues. It would have taken a, a year because they were on schedule. And maybe if I was reading it at the time, it would have been more impactful to me or something. But also it just seemed rather than being like a convoluted but awesome like usual suspects it's kind or of something. a natural progression from one yeah, element yeah, like, to the next oh man this is full of like twists and turns and i totally along for the ride and i really got bamboozled it just felt like long halloween and stuff like just finding reasons to include characters well like, this for like cameos so like i don't really this care chunk that. the joker section is when i had the biggest like oh this is like the long halloween of like mm you're going to bring back this guy for this scene and this guy for this scene. And I did like it with the Joker because it was a scene where you introduce the Joker, you remind everyone why he's a threat, why he's a big bad, why he's important, and yet he's not fundamental to the story. Well, and mm -hmm. it's also interesting just because how rare is it that he catches the Joker and he doesn't deserve what's coming to him mm -hmm. this time. And apparently it's really easy when it's not his story. He just punch him a bunch and then, there you got him is it this is definitely the part where it starts to become familiar mm -hmm. you're like oh okay i see what you're you're like this is the same guy for sure it's this guy no nope. yeah it's this yeah. guy uh -uh. no i mean the same writer is what i mean oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like okay this is this is jeff Loeb's thing at this point but it's not in the way that whereas i had said dark victory is a better story but because we read them back to back and they were so similar, I enjoyed it less because it's doing the same, the same yeah. stuff. It's the same format, really. Whereas this it isn't. And every character is very well used. But once they start adding up, you're like, oh, okay. And then you start thinking about it in terms of that, right? I don't think I love the format of just filling my head with data and then trying to explain it at the very end in a way that still doesn't quite land to me by the time I arrived there. What it is, in my opinion, is... Don't tell me up. what it is, <laughs> Sammy J. <laughs> <laughs> His intent, as far as I can tell, is that you've set up a mystery. And at a certain point, there is a most plausible candidate, right? So it's a dream. It's all a dream. Halfway through, it's all a dream. We have to start deflecting as much as possible, right? Okay, this is what I was going to not say, but again, hard spoiler show. This is an old title, but this is the Alberto Falcone on the boat moment of this mm. book where you take the of guy the book, not the movie. who's got to be the guy, right? That's the nipple shooter. And then <laughs> and you kill him. And we're in the midway, maybe two-thirds of the way through, and you kill that guy. And that's the same technique exactly that was used in that mm. book. Well, and when we get to the end of this, they do a good job of rationalizing all these elements using Batman, like standard Batman stuff. Like, okay, I believe that in this universe. But it still feels a little bit like one of those mysteries that you, the reader, couldn't solve. Like, I like a mystery where if you are savvy and paying attention you can deduce it yourself as you're going along. And maybe there are misdirects and things like that. Mm -hmm. But like this, you just saw him, saw him get dead. shot in the heart and he's dead lying there. And he's like, I'm Two-Face. Like, <laughs> that's the end of that scene. Yeah. Like, I got the coin. I'm Two-Face. Yeah. 
it's a little too much of that that I don't like. Of like, you're, you could have never really figured this out, like when in a, an unfair way. When a mystery or whatever movie has this like playback unraveling montage at the end of it, like quickly show all the behind the scenes events like that you didn't see. You didn't yeah, see. like oh, yeah. the guy behind the wall and. But some of these <laughs> calendar man behind the wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that but, old classic. Uh, classic. <laughs> uh, such a big this, payoff. This kind of story makes me think that no such visual montage would even still make it make sense to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So the next issue is six fifteen. Bruce gives the eulogy at Thomas Elliot's funeral. Afterward, he returns to the cave and obsessively pours over the autopsy scans. Says he's been awake for two and a half days. Nightwing was like, hey, I've been talking to you for 20 minutes. Are you going to pay attention? (laughs) And he encourages Batman to pursue this thing with Selina and to actually let her in. Be like, you know what? Just fucking tell her. You know her as Bruce. you seen that booty dog? Come on. You know her as Batman. I think she would get it. Let her in. I think this is good for you. And... This continues on their drive in the Batmobile. And Batman says, you know what? Maybe you're right. <laughs> and you see the bit of excitement from the, like, you know, parent-kid dynamic that they still have a little no. bit. And Nightwing goes, really? He says, it is none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. like Batman in his head has completely tuned out after that line. He's like, you're fucking right. I'm going to yeah, tell yeah. you. It's none of your business. <laughs> really? yeah. Stop talking. But the funny thing is there are people who tell him shit he doesn't want to hear in this book, and then he almost immediately does it. Yeah. He, you know, he talks it, back, but then he does it. Yeah, which I definitely relate to because it's like, I didn't ask for feedback right now. Why are you giving it to me? <laughs> and then you ruminate on that overnight and you're like fuck that's actually a good idea (laughs) i I intentionally (laughs) forget that somebody else suggested it so that i can pat my own back (laughs) you're the boss and claim that claim that i came up with it has a meeting with big (laughs) news that you thought of which was somebody else's thing from yesterday's meeting damn there's a line at the funeral that i like though just the it's a weird line but i seem to have more family than i seem to have yeah i read that line twice because at first i didn't like it and then i'm like oh i do like this yeah yeah, I'm always looking for misspellings and stuff. And so some of those lines like that will, does this need an apostrophe or am I being stupid? Or, or okay, no, it is, it's right. It just seems weird. I like it. It's like memento. Like, I, I can't remember to forget you. You know, it's just yeah. like one of those kind of things. What? Okay. <laughs> this opener on the funeral, it's got this cool overhead and the box that says chapter eight the dead is tilted to match the angle. Mm, yeah. And I think that is very cool. I like that little stuff. I just want to say that these picturesque movie style funerals are like a thing of the past. They're still in every show, every book when there's a funeral. Uh-huh. It's this big outdoor production and there's fucking seating and there's pallbearers and there's a big easel with the thing. I've known a lot of dead people. I've never <laughs> been to one of these. That's I've a been, sentence. I've been to churches. <laughs> Most people just now, you they bring you home in your little jug and they sent you on the mantle and that's the fucking end. And uh, I, I think this should come back. They're, they're, these are rich people also, really rich people. You're right. You're right. Well, we go to like, you do that and then you go to the pizza parlor after like, Papa's. Man, you remember them? I do remember them, yeah. You're imagine, right. imagine having enough friends to even attend your funeral. I mean, that, that's pretty rad. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that like, 
they should throw you a party when you go. That's all I'm saying. You know, a party is a better way to do it in general. It shouldn't be a, a guy reads the same script that he read about the last guy who died two, <laughs> two hours before you got here today. You know, like death, man. Yeah, you know come what I'm on, saying? come on. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> when you guys passed, would you prefer to be? Buried somewhere, or would you like to be cremated? Or you're going to be gone way before we don't worry about it, man. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just curious. I feel like it. Yeah, because he's the one who lives healthy now, so he's going to be the first to go. That's yeah. I've been eating a lot of bad food and drinking a lot of alcohol. Preservatives is what I've heard both of those have. From hell to high. I have been sitting on the couch for years. Yeah, yeah, you're running on like, I don't think that's unhealthy. You're running on like low power mode. So you should should get like twice the longevity. Correct. It makes sense. And Sam, all your blood clots are going to prevent the stroke from happening because they'll all get in the way. They'll all converge into one and it'll be like a superpower. (laughs) So answer my question. I don't want to be burned up. I told her I don't like that idea, but I'm fucking dead, so you know, do whatever you want. What I do want is uh, to throw a show with everybody I know at the Wow Hall. Fucking do that. Because uh, when Dustin from 800 Octane died, Dustin Wheeler, fantastic drummer, RIP, they threw a show, and it was fucking amazing. Like Every band who's friends with him went up on stage, and they played a song, and they had his drum kit on display, and I was like, man, this is the greatest fucking send-off. I was like, I want that, mm-hmm. you know? That fucking rules. But yeah, I don't really want to get burned up and put in a fucking jar. What if we're super old, though? I never thought we're I'd gonna have an old people this long. We're so. going to have an old people <laughs> show? I don't know. Uh, I don't care. I mean, cremation, because it's easy. It's always nice when they're like, yeah, put me in the ground and like into the earth. I think there's too many people for that to be a... It's just expensive, too. Like, yeah, very expensive. You know? The celebration, I want everyone to go home by themselves and play video games for a day straight <laughs> in the dark. In, in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Close those windows, yeah, friends. Yeah, I don't want you like to think that. of me. I want Turn you off to your think phone. like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Batman and Nightwing stop a Riddler heist as quickly as it starts. Now, this is where you could accuse them of, of being like, okay, we're throwing too much at supporting cast. And again, the long Halloween thing of like, yeah, exactly. Riddler, what a dumb villain. He was created 90 years ago. And he seems to be the first or only villain unaffected by Ivy in this whole plot for the most part. I mean, I guess you could say Joker and Harley. But the, there's the, the implication that they're being manipulated by the villain, yes. which is not what the Riddler Versus yeah, Riddler yeah. just seems to be isolated. Batman's like, this is his MO. I don't think this is connected. And then he puts on his Arkham Asylum detective vision lens and he sees Ash from the Lazarus pit at the scene of the crime. And then the little map comes back up and it's like, new mission objective. (laughs) And I need to find the nearest Lazarus pit. (laughs) The final three pages is of two scenes played out side by side. And this is some of that beautiful storytelling I was talking about. Joker has a visitor in his cell. Meanwhile, Catwoman speaks to someone. Both have an off-screen other person that they're talking to. Hush is revealed to be with Joker in his cell. Batman revealed to be there with Catwoman. It ends as they both unmask themselves. Batman obviously revealing Bruce Wayne to Selina. Hush revealing a Dark Knight Returns fully healed style harvey dent to joker not just like style but like the trench coat everything looks exactly the same which i like i yeah. like the nod to that fantastic ending that fucking blew me away yeah i do really like um Evan's like i guess i yeah you're right no i mean i 
didn't like what was being shown to me, but I do love the simultaneous. Can you, can you elaborate? Uh, nope. I just, I'm, I, <laughs> no, I, no, I just don't I, want him to undress. Okay, it's too no, much. I, I just, it's not I, decent. I still don't. Maybe I'm. First episode, guys. Evan's already not having fun. <laughs> no, it's just this. That's how. That's how. That's how it always yeah, is. It's a chore we, to we get through. We always do this. Uh, no, I, I just. I, let me interrupt you. It always for sucks. Once. It, it's, all, it's always yeah, unpleasant. Yeah, I like the way that they're presenting it. I like when you have these moments sometimes comic books just seem like comic books and sometimes i really can't imagine them as movies uh-huh. and i like this seeing like their shots in a movie to, and to really show that they're happening in real time simultaneously it's uh-huh. bouncing back and forth and so the panel the panel the panel i really like that kind of stuff i just don't really like these when, shots of backs of heads uh no i like a bald person <laughs> okay. um i i just don't really like the whole uh it's Two-Face. I don't like what they're trying to tell me about the villain right now, and I think it's dumb. And it's a borderline exposition dump, because it's just like, we're just going to be in this room, and I'm going to tell you. I'm this guy. Yeah, yeah, here's but this, again, this, this is like the story. again, this is done in the absolute coolest way. It's that Tarantino thing of like... I like the side-by-side thing, but I can, yeah. I can be on board with... It's not the way that they're presenting it. And I like the right side. I like what's going on that's, with... That's what uh, I was going to say. I like the, Batman and Catwoman. The reason it's left as Joker and right is Catwoman it's because the more important reveal and sort of the heart of the story is the final beat. And that is the Batman Catwoman embrace when he reveals his identity. Because yeah, that, that would have made me sadder if it was the opposite. That's the more mm-hmm. important thing versus the villain. We already know this. So showing something we already know to a character who is not our main character, who has not been trying to figure this out, that's not as important, right? <laughs> this is just a meeting where he's coming and was like, what the fuck do you want? Oh, I know you. Yeah, it's two side guys right. talking about side guy stuff. It's yeah, so that's, that, that's not the thing. I think it's just cool that they thought, oh, you know what? We could play this out alongside Bruce's no, review. We only have four pages left. How are we going to cram all this shit in four <laughs> pages? Let's split screen. Jim's like, I've got it. <laughs> because I'm screenshotting stuff and I can't, so I'm frequently like, oh, we passed that point already. <laughs> uh, this is quick, but it's back to like the Riddler, Riddler goon fight. Rewind. And yeah, sorry. Um, and uh, <laughs> Nightwing's fighting goons and Batman's thinking about it. He says, his parents, circus acrobats, had been murdered. And I wanted to make a difference in his life. The way my parents had lived, they would have made a difference in mine. You could edit this. <laughs> so that, so that Put the like words I in can, the right spot. Yeah, yeah. You can edit this so it sounds like I can read. The way, <laughs> the way if it's, my parents had lived, they would have made a difference in mine. And I thought, your parents would not have done the same thing that you did. <laughs> like you're, you Jump turned, off this building, boy. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you turn this kid into like a weird teenage crime fighter. You're... That's not what your parents would have done. I'm going to give you these two sticks. <laughs> You're going to beat people's heads with them. But no he, guns. Yeah, you do think about things weirdly, sir. I, I like that scene because it's a continuation of the sort of the unfair, maybe fair when you really look at who Batman is, but unfair way he's looking <laughs> at himself where he's talking about like Superman. He's like, well, I can count on Superman. He's a good guy and I'm a bad guy. In that same scene, I wrote, he says, Dick isn't like me. He doesn't come from privilege. And uh, not appreciating that the reason... Dick is different than him, is that he had Batman. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing the scene kind of ignores is that Bruce had Alfred, who was that element in his life. But again, just the being unfair to himself. I'm like, that is 
again, setting aside the superhero comic booky thing of putting this child in extreme danger all the time of mm -hmm. like, he was the positive element in his life that made him fun and plucky and not gave him something to consumed. aspire to yeah. And, yeah. and gave him purpose. But it's, yeah, I mean, I think you're right about the Alfred thing, but people with depression and anxiety disorders and this kind of shit can often really hyper-focus on yourself or your your tragedy or whatever the thing is. And so he, he does have Alfred and he knows that he's indispensable and he wouldn't be where he is without him. But at the same time, his day-to-day -day feeling is, I am alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this story looks at that because they talk about it. Oh, I'm yeah. not as alone, I guess. Yeah. I'm going to act right. like it, though. And it's exactly. very human to apply standards to you that you give grace to other people. Sure. Like in the exact same circumstance. Yeah. Like, oh, that's cool that you, but I should be doing something different. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. okay, we should. Be a little nicer to yourself, buddy. Well, and even though this story doesn't touch on it, other stories have, and I feel like I can bring that characterization to it of Alfred looking at it like, oh, if only I was a little more like a parent and less like a servant. Well, he there was be that so dark victory way. thing yeah. where he looks at Dick coming home after his parents were killed and he does what he should have done mm -hmm. with Bruce when they do that. Again, yeah. another side by side. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was going to maybe save this for the end, but I think it is appropriate here. In the intro, <laughs> very inappropriate. In the intro of Alfred telling us Batman's origin story, this solidified and also made me appreciate again that it's not the traumatic experience that made him exceptional. It's the traumatic experience that had him turn his exceptionalism into this weird fucked up life. Yeah. But the idea that he could have been a genius something else genius anything he was special anyway and it's just these circumstances that have made him this way yeah which maybe is another fundamental difference between him and dick grayson mm -hmm. even though dick grayson is also a genius detective and all that he's not quite the same like they talk about batman in these things he's like he has photographic memory and and uh, oracle only has eidetic memory or something like yeah. some like levels of being super geniuses yeah i'm gonna go to 616 the next issue the batwing is tailing the LexCorp jet. Batman ejects himself against Oracle's wishes and makes her remote pilot the shit while he lands on the LexCorp jet. And we have established briefly earlier that Lex is president and Talia is CEO or president or whatever of LexCorp. LexCorp. He actually abducts Talia, which no easy feat, and stashes her with Selena. When he gets back to the cave, there's a sword through the back computer, and now he's got to go answer to Roz as to why he took his daughter away. The page is again split here. We get Batman and Roz fighting, and then we get Shiva and Catwoman fighting because she busts in to uh, save Talia in this case. This scene was funny to me too, if I can find it here, because... <laughs> It was a, a trend I noticed because it's me. When you have any of the hot 90s art on there, it's always like all of it at once. Yeah. Like, okay, this splash is going to be all like the butts and the tits and the abs and that. And then it will never come back again for a while. It just, I have to imagine that's intentional of like that week or two. <laughs> that's like, all he was working on. <laughs> <laughs> like this. 
Like we're just going to indulge on this for a bit and yeah, then yeah. back to normal. If yeah, people yeah. average like a page a day, then you just spent an entire week <laughs> staring <laughs> yeah. at these and then like, you're creating. And now gotta, we're gotta, out of the fan service. Erase that. Erase that. No, no, no. It's I, not I, heavy metal. The titty. <laughs> like we're going to step out of it for most of it, uh, yeah. but we are going to jump into that for a little while. Talia saves Selena, which is kind of a reversal. She freed herself from uh, being tied up and chooses not to escape. Roz is stabbed by Batman, which is a little bit shocking. And then you remember, oh, yeah, he can save himself. Roz admits here that he suspects this mystery person, which the other characters have not identified. Hush, no one knows this word yet. Pretty far into the story, but just like, yeah, this fucking guy. Uh, Two-Face. I, I think he used Bandage up one man. of my Lazarus pits, right? <laughs> What's that? Dark Man starring Liam Neeson. Yeah, it's interesting, that though. so cool. Like, Roz has such an ego and such a penchant for their, like, chess game that they the play. The ritual. Of- mm-hmm. That... He could have just been like, yo, you know, you took my daughter and all, but like, I want this guy too, right? And, oh, okay, that solves everything. Like, no, not only do I want you to come all the way to me, I want to have a sword fight in which I will be stabbed. (laughs) I want you to cross the line and hurt me badly, and then I'll let you know what I want. I really like the line he says to Batman when Batman just like starts attacking him immediately and doesn't wait for it to start. Yeah, think like mm. your enemy. Yeah, and then he's like, well, whoever has done this to you has really riled you up, and that's cool. That he immediately sees what's going on in this situation. Of yeah. Like, oh, somebody did this to you, made you this way. Yeah. Neat. And again, ties back to the flashbacks that we've had earlier of him starting to adapt more because he doesn't have time to fuck around. You yeah. Know? Selena recovers immediately, as Talia had promised. She's like, oh, I gave her some herbs and spices from my KFC <laughs> recipe. <laughs> and, um, she'll be fine in it within hours, right? <laughs> and observes while Batman is stitched up in the cave by Alfred. Alfred says privately, when Batman's across the room, how remarkable it is that Bruce trusted her with his identity, and he like Nightwing, encourages her to, you know, keep keep this going. I think it's good for him. How come he's got so many back boo-boos, but not everywhere else boo-boos? No front boo His chest is, like, pristine. His face is pristine. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that, I think, at, at Three Jokers. He's or, constantly working his crime, back maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's like, attack. it's not a turtle shell, dude. Don't do that. You're like, how's he get all these ladies under his cover? I'm like... Remember, it's just the zipper. That's all. Yeah, no one yeah. else could see the rest of his body. I suppose you could argue that. No one takes him from the back. Or no, everyone <laughs> takes him from the back. <laughs> in a fight, at least. That's the only place anyone oh, can no, take I him from. I meant in the bedroom. Oh. Yeah, they're like, no, you can't see any of the body because there's too many scars. You know? Eccentric billionaire <laughs> and sexual repressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be fully clothed. You get naked. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a glass wall up, you know. It's like He's going to the deuce. Knew. All right, Batman 617, next issue. Batman searches beneath the Bat computer, thinking Roz doesn't do anything by chance. There's got to be some other message here. Catwoman notices they're being watched in the cave. And we have this great confrontation between Catwoman and Robin going at it. Then Bruce takes off the cowl to show Tim, like, yo, we're playing a different game here. 
Calm the fuck down. I already know who you are, man. <laughs> this isn't a reveal to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that Catwoman knows who he is. Oh, and so oh, there. Oh. I, I just Same, you like, look at this so differently yeah. than I do. Oh my god. <laughs> it's the three perspectives that really make the show work. So I love just the cat fight shit through this whole scene, even after the reveal. And Selena decides to just I'm gonna borrow this motorcycle. And he's like, Listen, you kid, can don't touch me ever again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I'll, I don't care if daddy's watching, I'll fucking claw out your brains or whatever, you know. She takes the motorcycle, leaves, but made a little bit more exciting by the end of it when Tim goes, so you think she bought it? <laughs> well, there, again, because I remember the broad strokes of the story, but I don't remember all these little beats. Same here. This is like the third or fourth time where they've done this, which I really like, where I have some kind of internal thought of like, well, Tim Drake wouldn't be like that. Maybe the other ones would, but Tim Drake is not that character. Yeah. He doesn't act like that. He's like thoughtful. He's smarter than them. He just wouldn't be that way. And then so a few beats later to immediately address that in a interesting and creative way. I'm like, that's really cool. I like that. That's that's it this character. Reminded me of Damien, honestly, who didn't exist yet. Yeah. Or Jason so, Todd would have been this, like, so angry. So the end of that scene really made it for me. Like, I really like the little things that happen in this story where you're like taking it at face value. It's pretty good and it's entertaining, but then they give you the, just a the little extra that makes it like, oh, no, we had intended something else all along. Well, and another one of those that's right in this exact moment is when they're having the argument and it's in front of Jason Todd's costume. And I mean, we've seen that a million times. Oh, yeah, she kicks there. Tim into the shrine with Jason's suit. Well, and then seeing that in this scene just made me think about it again. I'm like, that, him having that up there, it's not just like to honor him. And it's not just a reminder of, a, of his mistake. It, it is literally like a masochistic self-punishment. Mm. And probably unintentional warning to the other Robins. Yeah, this could like, happen. Like, mm. watch your ass. But then, so this having a game, having that thought while reading it, and then only a little bit later, I think Robin mentions it to Catwoman or maybe somebody. He's like, why do you think he has it up there? It's like a constant self-punishment. Mm. I was like, this book has so many of those, like, subtly introduce an idea and then reinforce it later, which is just really, really nice. They're not, it's clearly intended in that way. Yeah. It makes you question if you ever actually think anything <laughs> on your own. I'm just or constantly if, manipulated. Yeah, or if, yeah, or on, on, if we're just always being made to think things. You may be. <sighs> Very rude. <clears throat> yeah, anyway. I saw, I'm trip. like Natalie Portman in Garden State. I'm like, nobody ever made that sound before. I'm unique. <laughs> what? Uh, George, George Carlin, hey, I know things you never hear. Nobody has ever said these words in this particular order. As soon as I put this hot poker in my ass, I'm going to chop my dick off. <laughs> no one has ever said that before right now. So they follow the motorcycle Catwoman took. She's fighting with Huntress. This fight scene, we talked about the evolution in art as this occurs over the span of you know, 11 or 12 months. The fight scene with Huntress is the closest we've seen so far to the all-star Batman and Robin action scenes that are just gorgeous. We get little bits of the, like, blurs and out-of-focus stuff as, as they're trying to pull, like, foreground, background. This huge splash page is just gorgeous to look at. Anyway, we've seen a lot of fight scenes here, like the stuff with Roz looked really great. We talked about the stuff with Shiva, how that looked almost like a throwback or something. Mm. But then this is like 
next level to me. The fucking red lightning in the background, and I love the coloring. Well, I love I, the composition. I like the introduction of the red background because especially as it seems to intensify when we go to the next scene because mm-hmm. that's the only other visual thing that is burned into my memory is the depiction of that design of adult Jason Todd Robin. The with, red and the red. Yeah, yeah, that just like is completely stuck in there. And I'd be curious to see if anybody else was doing it at the same time or if this is just something that they came up with, but they totally do the whole red sky, red lightning bolt thing mm-hmm. again in All-Star. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Batman and Robin arrive. Batman's like, yo, you keep a lookout. He's like, for who? And as Batman jumps off, Hush just appears behind him and says, for me. Boo. Scarecrow <laughs> appears and yeah, is... Yeah, this is, this is what I like right here. Immediately apprehended. And I, I, I don't think it was bad that they wanted to touch on him being you know, someone who's like, okay, his expertise could have been used for like the psychological profiles of... Uh, establishing these characters' motivations, how they can be manipulated, so on and so forth. Or who do we bring back next to really fuck with Batman? Yeah, but I don't really think he's necessary. He was just in and out. Well, as I'm flipping through these pages quickly uh, to like jog my memory, he's just like sort of there. And then he's not. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I do really like his design, which is very like first season animated series, but cooler. Uh, It looks cool. Hush shows himself to Batman he's holding okay okay I didn't know how to say hush, so many hush so reveal yeah, yeah. yeah that's not that's not yeah, yeah. hush appears gives him all he's got with with Robin as a hostage okay he's in front yeah, of Batman there's a lot of trench coats in this <laughs> and One star. he says you still haven't figured it out Batman realizes he was being led to this specific cemetery. This is where Jason Todd had been buried after they moved him. Sure enough, Hush unmasks, and now it is grown-ass Jason. And already at this point, because I had forgotten a lot of this, and what I have experienced in the last couple years is the animated film, which is much different. Mm -hmm. I was like, I feel like there's a lot that maybe influenced Under the Red Hood. There's a lot of this stuff going on. When he showed up, I was like, weird. He even looks weird. like the basis for the design with the red domino mask and the trench coat. And, yeah. you know, because it's the same color as his bomber jacket. And I'm like, fuck, that's so weird that they would do that just a few years after this. And what, yet that was the enduring thing. When it gets retconned, I feel like... I don't quite remember because it, it all blends to me, but they don't talk about it in the movie, but in the comics, under the Red Hood storyline, they talk about how like he's already back at this point, point. Oh. and like that's where they got the look from or something. There's some kind of weird like retconning. Okay. No, I mean he was around here, and that's where they modeled Clayface. There's something weird like that. Weird. He saw Clayface as him and was like, <laughs> "Dang, that looks pretty tight." That's my look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that is. I like his. It's like uh, seeing a picture of you that you've never seen before. Yeah. Whoa. I like his Sweeney Todd guts hair. <laughs> yeah. It's got a little rogue white streak. Jason Blood, the yeah, demon I guy. Yeah, I do like that, actually. All right, so 618. I don't like this. Two issues left. Uh, this is the one I got signed on the wall with the fucking Jason Todd Robin skull. Love it. Catwoman saves Robin from Hush. While Batman and... Uh, Typical J- woke Hollywood. The woman's got to come <laughs> in. And, <laughs> and uh, Batman and Jason fight. And here's where Batman's connecting the dots from earlier, like we talked about. 
You know, oh, must have been a batarang that cut my line, causing me to fall in Crime Alley. A I was there specific. That cut my bat rope. Right? <laughs> Jason was first introduced in Crime Alley where he stole the Batmobile's front tire. Oh, shit. That's the same tire that was blown off when I was fucking chasing Croc. And then this Jason seems to know a lot of the details, but he's also not using the name Bruce. He keeps saying Batman. It's like, how do you know all this shit? Why is he talking to me like that? And at the time that he figures it out, Jason becomes clay-faced like melting away in the rain and just dissolved. So there's not like a clay-faced fight or anything. They were just using him for the shape-shifting, and now he's gone. Clayface is a character in Batman continuity they've leaned on a lot. He's like the danger room, and he's whoever you want him to be, and he's yeah, yeah. a monster, and he's like a genius guy, and and he's, he's the he's, white knight, mad hatter, fucking yeah, you know, mind control amplifier. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, he ends up being like honestly, I love Clayface, and I fucking don't like when they use him like this. They always do shit like this, like you said, and it's which again is kind of the long Halloween thing of like these people could have entire stories written about them where they're the culmination of it, and now they're yeah. just like random guy number three who gets his ass kicked and you never catch him or do anything with him really either he just wasn't the guy you were looking for oh shit you know so batman concludes that clayface had aged up jason because if they tried to emulate the kid they wouldn't have known exactly how he moved or how he talked and what his voice sounded like exactly and so like with years removed batman wouldn't know either and so they modeled him more after nightwing which makes sense. Huntress slips away, which I don't know how you start a motorcycle undetected, but she gets away. And Robin takes the clay-stained costume back to the cave for analysis. I have to mention this too. Clayface doesn't wear clothes. He transforms yeah, into he entire is, costumes. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why are there clothes? He is clothes. That, yeah. So that, there's a couple, uh, couple things right there. And then Catwoman has a great moment here where she she is not taking orders. She is not a Robin. She does not want to be talked to like a subordinate. I'm not your toy wonder, you fucking moron. Yeah, and we start to see some cracks in the armor. Like, imagine forming a relationship amid all this horrible shit going on. Maybe not the best foundation. I don't know that I have enough stuff on my plate right now. Yeah. <laughs> It happens multiple times in this book, and, and I think it's just a comic book thing sometimes for dramatic panels, but this is actually the best version of it in the whole thing. Foe Jason is punching Batman. Batman's the bottom half of the screen. Yeah, it's an uppercut, and this is the most... Upper cunt is the correct, I believe. Oh, that's... I trust you in all parts of martial arts realms. <laughs> it's my expertise. It, it looks good because his hand is turned like an uppercut would be. The backside of your hand would face your like opponent. A... Yeah. But there's a lot of other ones where it's like, if you did a rock, paper, scissors, but in an upwards direction. A single upward axe mm. handle smash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you hit them like with your thumb and pointer finger. <laughs> yeah. And like it's. It's like I, a Star Trek move. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know what you're trying. Yeah, that's what you come up with when you don't know what you're talking about. That's funny because I'm not really looking at the anatomy of fight scenes, really, or like rather the anatomy in fight scenes. I'm just looking at like the emotion in it, you know. Like you are not the Robin who died. Yeah. In this fight, there's a line that I really like. 
again, because I thought this design was rad the moment I saw it when I was 2002, I would have been three. 35. So I, <laughs> what? <laughs> no. We both went in opposite directions there. <laughs> I would have been 15. So when I was 15 and I saw this, I just thought that was awesome. And I didn't really have any of the other context. I think I knew that Jason Todd died in general, but I never, I hadn't read that book or anything yet. But he has a line where he's saying to Batman, you saw me as second rate. Mm-hmm. And I love that combined with this awesome design of like, that's also to the audience mm-hmm. of like Jim Lee and Jeff Loeb being like, you didn't like this property that we came up with? Well, fuck you. Here it is in your <laughs> face. And now it's awesome. And you don't appreciate what we're giving you. Mm-hmm. Very. Mm. In the audience. Let because me give you a phone was, number to call. Because it was, yeah, exactly. Because it was a poll. Yeah. You know, it's like all of you who voted for him to die. <laughs> yeah. Is I'm, this the first time that Jason has come back? I didn't even think about that. Yeah, this was the thing. So and this is like 15 years, maybe? It, Almost? Yeah, that's, it was still a bit before he actually came back, because obviously this is not him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think this was maybe the, like, we can do it. Yeah, playing the see. possibility of him yeah. returning. Okay. Wow. Then all credit where credit's due. I didn't really think about, again, having read so many other things nowadays that, like, but yeah, this is pretty fucking mind-blowing if you're reading this in the time it was released. Yeah. And it's kind of hard, too, unless you read any other articles or something like that to know about something's like significance or something. Because uh, now we're reading this stuff backwards. And I'm like, yeah, totally. I've seen Jason a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just read about him dying <laughs> not that long ago. So you can't know unless you were there at that time or unless somebody told you after the fact. My family and I watched uh, that recent Elvis movie just in the like the last week. Porn parody? Yeah. Elvis, Creatively titled yeah, Elvis XXX. Yeah, yeah. Elvis <laughs> Pelvis. <laughs> um, I just like knew the guy, the character, the songs or something, mm. but I didn't consider his like significance to race relations or the opposite Yeah. or the, his connection Elvis to- Elvis was a hero to most. I wasn't there. Now we live in a time where- Even like, though you're 70. I didn't keep up on current things, just like I don't know. <laughs> Dua Lipa? Is that one word or two? Yeah. A thing or a person? I didn't appreciate that you, ignorant fucks, <laughs> wouldn't have the same experience that I did. Totally. Yeah. I didn't have like the, oh, I remember when I was three years old and I read him dying. And now well, the, this, that wasn't there for me. This was but, my first exposure to Jason Todd as well, though, because I read this in 2009. Mm-hmm. And I, to this day, haven't read Under the Red Hood. I didn't see the film until, what, 2010 when it came out or something. Uh-huh. So th- this would have been my first exposure to him. Yeah, the so first as time far as Jason I know, Tyler all he does is himself to <laughs> all he does is come back from the dead. As far as I know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> all right. So Oracle traces a device. What do you always got to bring Elvis into everything? <laughs> <laughs> I was quoting Chuck D. By the way, if anyone didn't catch the Public Enemy there, huh? Was he racist? Doesn't fight the power. He like stole black people music like so many people did. And he also became extremely wealthy and famous. Or doing doing shit that other people already did. This movie makes it seem as if he was just a fan of that style of music. Additionally, was the friend of the black community. It's a little bit like the Eminem thing. I mean, they called him that at the the time. Uh, Where it's like, I love this music and this is what I play. And... Oh, well, because you're white, let's open all these doors for you. But that's not your fault. And continue not doing it for no. the people before you. I mean, you. No, so what it he, I mean imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So, And I didn't see the movie or 
know anything about Elvis. And I'm not saying, them, <laughs> so yeah, I and I don't just watch a movie and accept it as truth. What, what but, I know, but it's a perspective from, that I hadn't uh, considered before. They're like, yeah. oh, he just loved this type of music. Why wouldn't you make what you love? Well, without knowing what he did, I'm sure the common criticism could be like, why didn't you do more for the people whose music that you loved and pulled from? Exactly. Why didn't you lift them up too? And like, and I don't, I don't know. know I like much. to be super critical of people all the time. <laughs> and I don't know that he didn't because you look at some yeah, guys from back then, like Bobby Darren, for example. Mm. He had dreamed of playing the Copa. He finally got to play the Copa, and then they wouldn't let his opening comedian play because he was black. Uh-huh. And he was like, instead of playing the show, mm-hmm. I'm going to arrange a sit-in. And we're going to protest the Copa. Uh-huh. So he literally got the first black performer ever at the Copacabana. I don't know what Elvis's relationship is that is to that. Most of what I know is either how culture in years uh, later looked at him mm-hmm. or what I've read from learning about Johnny Cash and their relationship. I've just seen yeah. the trailer to that movie. Mm-hmm. In the movie That's your whole Elvis yeah, knowledge. Yeah, yeah. In right the movie there. that he, uh, by the time he gets to the Vegas portion of his career, uh-huh. he has these ideas about having a larger band for the first time and he wants to make it more of a production and he puts on like two all black bands uh-huh. to be a part of his set. And that's true too. I mean, we look at people as if they're like one thing, but people change over time and for yeah, sure, and also that's it, 20 like, years later or yeah, something. Yeah. And so also like if he's homies with B.B. King, you wouldn't have the same people being like, yeah, I was friends with him, but he was also a terrible racist. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not all one dimensional, you know. It's four dimensional. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, the, it's, that's the, the, it's got, the quad page. I've got a black friend. Come on. I don't see color. That's not. Oh, really, right. No. That's why you're wearing a yellow shirt. What is it? Fucking <laughs> yeah. Easter? I literally am colorblind. I wouldn't have worn this otherwise. <laughs> Says Sam, the best dressed man in the world. <laughs> You're wearing like business casual on the top and then basketball on the bottom. I haven't done laundry with in a while. Flashing yellows. I think if you're going to rip on somebody, you should rip on them in a department in which you are doing the opposite and excelling in and can't be ripped apart that, in the you, same you're dimension. You're more of a student of like class and decorum. For me, I feel like if you see an opening, take it. See, he's Even saying if you're that. You're a piece of shit like Sam. Yeah. But, you're take right. that opening. but, but Evan's this, wearing shorts and a t shirt. Just like me. But he pulls it off better. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the hat. We're essentially dressed the same right now. But you're just seeing that, but I'm going to talk about your camo shorts and then your brightly colored <laughs> t-shirt. What, yeah. What, what about it's, it? It's just those, diff- those colors don't go together. Yeah. It's camouflage. It goes with, <laughs> it goes with nothing and everything. Clear, clearly. That's why you wear it. That's the best argument Because you never have to change them. As a fashion statement. <laughs> uh, anyway, Oracle traces a device that they found under the back computer where he was looking at the sword, right? After several days, Oracle is able to coerce a meeting. This is somewhat anticlimactic because the reveal is Harold, the guy who used to work in the cave. The character you've never and heard was of. such a side character because he never spoke or anything. Like, we never got Harold year one. He's like, Ace, the bad we... dog put me up to it. Yeah. It wasn't me, I promise. This yeah, is the, the one fuck, time man? when my jaw dropped. I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, they right. did. And he hasn't appeared in this story once uh, or been mentioned in passing or Ever. anything. Nobody remembers so him at all. He was We're like Jim. We got this great story. I want you to draw. And Jeff, you need to bring crypto into it. Metropolis <laughs> has to be there. And Quasimodo. Hey, Quasimodo. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Work it in. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'd uh, be more comfortable if we give him some lines this time. Okay. All right. Well, we will. Well, right, healed his voice. Okay. Here we go. Can I kill him instantly? <laughs> so, so yes. He was promised. That by playing along, he would be healed and regain his ability to speak. 
if he was to cooperate here with Hush. He said that Batman is his hero, which I like. He like knowing you're going to win regardless. Yeah, Nobody can nice, fuck with nice you. Touch. So I played along essentially using them for using me, right? You never healed my voice. Yeah. <laughs> Despite all of your money. Batman offers some empathy here. He's like, dude, I get it. Like, I tried what I could do to help you, give you some purpose. I let but you like, live in the cave. But yeah, I could have yeah. never I done feel that. you, <laughs> ugly boy. I hid you. <laughs> but like, I could have never done that for you. It's like, nice I, cave. I don't blame you at all. Totally get it. Bam, bam. Two shots from off screen, and Harold's dead from a hush. Was Harold see him also the gun. wearing a trench coat? Is everybody wearing a trench yeah, coat? Yeah, pretty much. There are several. Croc was wearing one. Jason's wearing one. Mm. It's kind of throughout the whole thing. Gordon. Oh yeah, right. And I think. They do little things like that visually just to continue with the, like, could be Ooh, anybody. Yeah. You know, oh, oh, wait, they mention it at one point. Um, they do. They talk that even about... Bruce Wayne has three or four of them in his closet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which like seems... A, that Bruce seemed, Wayne would not wear yeah, Bruce, some fucking... Yeah, Bruce would have, like, a product trench coat or something. Less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, they're so common, everybody has one, even the billionaires. <laughs> That's not what billionaires do. All right, so last issue starts here, 619. Hush monologues during their fight, as comic books tend to do, dropping inside, I don't want to say inside jokes, but like little bits that only they would know. Mm. Like Jason sort of did this in the other scene, but like really shit that only you and I were there for when that, we were nine years old. That one time we you know? kissed in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> I showed you mine, you showed me yours, right? They're apparently on the bridge where the Elliot's car crash had occurred when they were kids. Bruce is telling him, like, oh, my dad will save him. Everything will be just fine, right? Batman goes, is that what this is all about? That my dad couldn't save your dad? And Hush says, this is Ben's edgelord shit that he loves. Tell me about no, it. No, I wanted them both dead for the inheritance. And that, uh, actually, our conversation earlier made me think of this, but, like, I just instantly cue the fucking Green Day song, Brat. That seemed just out of left field. That was yeah, not that, um, in line with... I was immediately disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you let me down yeah. on that one. It would, they had enough there to just be like he's another victim of trauma and he was twisted by this terrible thing that happened and went the wrong way. Not like, no, he was the devil child from the beginning. What? Gordon shows up, guns drawn, with Harvey. Both fire on Hush, who dives into the water like fucking some Joker shit. And disappears. Harvey looks like a yoked Professor X. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. Harvey gives Gordon his old service revolver. He had mentioned earlier that, like, the gun that, quote-unquote, killed Thomas Elliot, that he, like, played along with it, knowing that that, too, was Clayface, and he wasn't actually killing anyone. He says, if you exhume the body, you won't find anything but maybe some Clayface residue. Superman comes to the Batcave, and Batman realizes that the uh, relay device in his computer had implanted some kind of subliminal messages of Thomas Elliot, so that when he was in peril, provided that he didn't die or become incommunicable somehow, <laughs> lucked out on those two, that he would make the connection and he would come to Thomas Elliot for uh, surgery. Batman suspects that he may have implanted something during the surgery, which Superman runs his X-ray vision, confirms this, and burns it out of his skull. That was cool. Batman confronts Riddler at Arkham Asylum. This is sort of the epilogue at this point. 
having traced Thomas Elliott's medical records, they had been signed out by Arthur Wynn, who was the inventor of the crossword puzzle. Riddler admits to using their Lazarus pit to stave off some kind of terminal cancer that they don't define. It brain cancer, maybe. That Which was, yeah, it was said with a question mark from Batman. He revels in calling him Bruce, much like Paul Dano. But Batman is confident that Riddler's ego will not permit him to share that. And what good is a riddle that everyone knows the answer? I've been showing my face to everybody, man. It's like nothing now. <laughs> Wait, what was that that we read where he was constantly revealing his identity? Earth One, he's always like... Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm Batman. Everybody, I don't, I don't even have a yeah. cowl anymore. Because there's the big reveal at the end of Volume 1, and then they just kept doing it over Yeah, over. yeah. Um, I like so, this with Riddler in the same way that it felt like a Jason Todd redemption of like, you don't like this character, you're the idiot, of like... Riddler was particularly lame in Long Halloween. Yeah, they would just beat him up and ask his opinions and yeah. then and throw so him the, to the side again. This is a, a nice like finishing touch of like, you thought that's what this was, but no, he's actually the mastermind or part of the whole thing. He also added as a veiled threat that even if you did get over yourself enough to tell people who I am, there's a certain league of assassins <laughs> that would love to know who was behind getting Talia involved in all this shit. So if you don't want Roz up your ass, then maybe keep that to yourself. It's crazy to make the Riddler in continuity aware of Bruce Wayne's identity. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, like seven or eight years later, they probably did some kind of like two anti-negative universe gods smashed <laughs> together and <laughs> rewrote that. So Yeah, that's pretty bold. Whew. Batman and Catwoman recap, debrief, whatever. She says the word, hush. Like when he's talking, she's like, hush, come on. All of a sudden, he's like, why did you say that name? Thinking, oh, shit, was she in on this? Like, I don't know who I can trust at this point. So many people were manipulated, mind games, mind control, all this shit. She just sees a look on his face and like, oh, it's fucking over, huh? Yep. All right. Well, hey, I'll be ready when you're ready. Bye. And that's kind of our uh, ending. I didn't really like that part. It made me feel like they wasted my time with this love story stuff. And then also it made me think like, if stuff hasn't gone good for you multiple times, and I'm just pretending that this is like all the same universe and you're getting older the entire time, uh-huh. how long are you going to... She's like, I'll always be here. No, like, they're how perpetually long? like 28 to 32. Yeah, yeah. But they're my, old. It, yeah, but in my head, they're like, they're getting older because time is passing and they're getting older. And like, how long would you nope. wait around for this? Compressed time like a motherfucker. Peter Parker's still teaching high school, <laughs> fresh out of college. Yeah. I imagine you really didn't like the show Friends. <laughs> That's a whole lot of will they, won't they with Batman and Catwoman. That's kind of the fun of it. To me, it feels kind of the same way that Three Jokers did, where like they introduced this Jason Todd, Barbara Gordon romance subplot. Introduce oh. it, let it sit for a bit, and then immediately resolve it in a way so that if they want to fold this into continuity, all characters can act as if none of this ever happened. I think <sighs> there's a better way to do what they did here. Because like I said, introducing this romance, solidifying it scene, at least. during all yeah. this shit. No, no, no. I mean like the undoing of it. Uh-huh. Because I don't mind that it didn't pan out this time. I like that it planted the seeds that like, okay, this really does have a shot in the future, right? There's enough indications here that this isn't some flirty rooftop fling thing anymore. Like it was in Long Halloween, right? 
But for me, I didn't love the Riddler thing. Okay, again, here's here's Harold. Where's he been this whole story, right? It just felt a little bit like, okay, so Thomas Elliot fakes his own death like Alberto, right? Turns out to be the guy, but then not be the guy. And then when they catch him as the guy, he gets away. And the other one who was the guy was two-faced and he turned immediately like and then also clay there's yeah yeah, it's like too convoluted to be clever there's too much i think they should have stuck it out with thomas elliott done the whole fucking fake your death thing stick the comic book ending and simplify well i want to clarify on the riddler comment i don't really like that either i just like the idea of like treating him better yeah because he's as important as anyone Mm -hmm. and i do like the stalemate in the conversation about like you know you think you have this thing you don't really have this thing if you choose to let that out, there's repercussions. And yeah. so, so it kind of doesn't go anywhere, but I otherwise I do not. Like, had we not seen the Riddler the one other time, they would have just been another example of them, like, busting out a person. Here's the thing, you but would never know. Yeah, here's the guy that you'd never expected because we didn't show him to you at all, yeah. and he's he's the mastermind between the, like... I know you've complained about this, Ben, about having storytelling crutches that you've seen too much like with flashbacks used in a certain way and things like that yeah well because i mean that's one of them for me because i mean they're detective stories right there's mystery stories there's only so many ways you can do it but especially with the same elements over and over yeah Mm. but when you try to go look over here 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 it's like yo that's like three too many you know just juke me out, do the one good bamboozle mm-hmm. or, or two. Phantasm you know? just popped into my head. Is like, that's a good way Dude, to do that. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. I watched it in the theater yesterday thinking, this is just a perfect story. It's tight. It's yeah. so good. I was thinking, how crazy is it that two-thirds of the way into that movie, mm-hmm. you introduce the fucking wacky, zany, cartoon Mark Hamill Joker, mm-hmm. and it doesn't radically change the tone of the film? Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, that's such an accomplishment, right? And even in that, like, it's such a good slow burn reveal of the past. Yes. The stuff with Andrea is more like, it's a misdirect to kind of present it in a way that makes it seem like it could not be her. Uh Then the only actual character misdirect is this, like, past Joker reveal. Whoa. Yeah. Then that ends up not being the case. That's so much less convoluted than all of this crap that they're presenting to yeah. me in this. Yeah. And I think that's just the casualty of trying to use so many characters. Yeah. And the month to month format, I think, is the other thing. Because yeah. that's stretching this out over a year. I mean, I can imagine people would have the same reaction that we're having right now. Yeah. But it might be different when it's just like the thing that tides you over between this month of your life. <laughs> I mean, it's a massive success, obviously, for what they were trying to do. And for the time that it was published, these guys are hacks. So I can't many imagine things. they worked after this. Book. <laughs> <laughs> Washed um, up has beans. But yeah, I think as it goes further and further along, like you made your bed, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh shit, okay, um, back myself in a corner a little bit. We got to do this real quick and that real quick. Like I just recapped how many main characters in like two paragraphs. Mm. That's a lot. It's funny how, in retrospect, previously groundbreaking things can be like cheesy. Sure. Again, the benefit of being there in the moment, like, like I oh was, my god, no one's ever done this before. When Citizen King came out, and I was there, and I was like, yeah, this. <laughs> Holy shit! You're at this premiere. These movies are going to be big. Yeah. I tell you, uh, <laughs> your grandchildren are going to talk about this. But like, at some point, say fifty years removed, this will look like old school Batman, 
Superman to us. It'll be that cheesy. It's interesting because you could see how the long Halloween series informed this, and you can also see how this informed shit that happens yeah. now. You know, <laughs> and I think as a not necessarily as a counterpoint, but as just a like a thing to remember as well. Some things are timeless, and yeah. even if oh, they yeah, do yeah. like betray the era they're from in mm -hmm. stylistic ways, still hold up very, very well. Not that For this sure. doesn't hold up, but like it's as the things we've complained about, I think are valid criticisms. Sure. Yeah, I think that this is easily a five-star book in 2002 and three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we may have different opinions when we come to rate this at the end of the show. Seven-year-old me reading this at Barnes & Noble was like, this is insane. Wow. Even if you were 36-year-old, you reading it for the first time, it would be like, holy fuck. Were you like, holy fuck? Well, well no, but he's removed from time. Like, he, he wasn't in that time. Yeah. That it was published. Oh, okay. 18 yeah, year old I'm me. saying yeah, if, yeah. if you yeah, haven't yeah. read the books that existed after this, doesn't matter your age, you're going to be like, holy shit. Sure. The gripes that I have with this, if somebody was pulling off those same things tomorrow, same gripes. Uh -huh. It's just something that you're doing that I don't like. Yeah, yeah. like. I don't like these beats and I don't like the bushels of information that you're throwing at me and that's so if anybody was doing that speaking I'd, of words no one has ever put together before i think bushels, bushels of, information. of information that's what i'm here for <laughs> tell me about any easter eggs that we haven't commented on when you see lois at her desk and i didn't look this up to see if it actually was a thing but it, when Lois is at her desk, there's a newspaper in the back that says, Jeff Loeb to do Mr. Miracle. Nice. Hmm. Can I add one? Yes. You mentioned Lois in the planet, and I forgot that there's a bit in there where she does like how many peas in Rapist or something like that, yeah. which is straight from, I remember it was one or two, but it was in one of the Donner movies where she's terrible at spelling and she asks that specific question. Uh, oh, and that's like, funny. In this case, Clark pops his head over and it's like, oh, it's just one P, you know. Uh, therapist rapist was the headline. <laughs> right, right. She goes, oh yeah, the rapist, therapist, blah, blah, blah. That was like a fucking uh, Celebrity Jeopardy bit at one point too. That's funny. I'll take the rapist for 200. That's therapist. <laughs> After actually the same page that I looked at before, but after the surgery, it's got Tommy with his hands and close face when he's outside with the people. And you clearly have Lois and Jimmy on the right side, but to the left side looks like a Peter Parker to me. Oh, brown hair, glasses, camera. Oh, that's cool. Yep. When um, Catwoman and Harley are fighting behind the backdrop in the theater. Mm. Harley says, heavens to Murgatroyd. Yeah. <laughs> Marvin the Martian. I actually laughed at that. Yeah. Ben, do you have any? Just in the origin scene, it's both the throwback to he's like Dexter. He's got his chemist cloak on with like rubber gloves holding a beaker. And behind him is math and science like illuminated on the wall. <laughs> the words. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. And then underneath that, it's the shot of him bench pressing insane weight. Like, that's just also the very classic, like, that's how you show he studied science and uh, worked on his body as he did those two things. He held a beaker up and he benched. <laughs> oh, the, yeah, you the, love yeah, the yeah. beakers yeah. in the montage. Yeah, yeah. The third thing would have been him doing, like, the iron cross on the, the, the uh, whatever it is, on the ring. Gym Hitting springs. a tire with a sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. So that was there. Um, I meant to count the, the bench press. Uh, there were four <laughs> enormous plates on either side. Yeah. So that's a, that's a I, lot of work. Yeah, I meant to do the math and see like what the world record was for bench pressing. In the crock fight, not quite an Easter egg, but I still just appreciated it. In the same way that I was like, they put all the fan service 
sexy shots together. There's one scene of sexy croc. Yes. Let me get <laughs> look at that tongue, man. No. <laughs> Where they are, they're fighting and like onomatopoeia is not the right word, but it's like the words for sound effects, which yeah, maybe is onomatopoeia. It is. In one single two-page chunk, there's wham, brack, dushk, slack, badock, and watok. <laughs> oh, like one of them, I was like, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The vocabulary yeah, on this yeah. man. Because then after that later, it's like slam and smash, like regular stuff. But yeah. in those two pages. I was really inspired. Yeah. Uh, there's insane. also an incredible amount of faps in this. <laughs> I saw fap, a couple fap, faps yeah, for there's, sure. There were many faps. And I, ben the, had the, a few extras, but the, yeah, this I must noticed have some too. not been a thing in the past. The, uh, there's no. a Robin building in a long shot. Somebody's swinging away and there's a big building, a skyscraper, and it just says Robin on it. Nice. Oh, I did see that. I thought you meant like Build-A-Bear, like there was Robin building. Well, they, they really built Robin from the ground up. I'm glad that you guys had those because I had actually integrated my Easter eggs in the conversation this time, which I don't usually do. Which Whoa. is a better way to do it. I got to tell you, when you talk, I'm only half paying attention sometimes. So when it comes to lists, I'm gone. Uh, no, that's a mean thing to say. The back computer has ears. You're supposed to revel ears. in the mean things you say. That's the you can show. Edit a longer pause. We have fun. Yeah, this is the way. So the back computer has like bat ears. Mm. And we didn't really talk about it because maybe it'll come up in prose. Just that amazing bat cave shot with all the different Batmobiles for different areas. You know some what's of which have faces. Funny is seeing that now. I was like, oh yeah, fuck. I remember this was like the mind-blowing Batcave spread back then, and it is just so, like, simple now. Compared like by, to all the ones we've seen. Yeah, it's great. Like, think about, like, Sean Murphy's with six or eight Batmobiles in it. And I think there are that many in this. A lot of them are just far away and for sure. small. Yeah, it just, I specifically hit that page and went, oh, shit, this is like a blast from the past. Like, mm -hmm. simpler times, you know? <laughs> Do you think the cave smells like a cave, or does it smell better than that because it's like a billionaire's cave? And there's a lot of fresh water running through it all the time, yeah. which might like aerate a little bit. But there's guano everywhere, I would think. Yeah, it smells like sweat and bat turds. But you don't see a lot of poops on the ground? Nobody Alfred, ever illustrates Alfred any poops? Alfred has to be in there every day. He's forced huh. to clean that all up. They've got like netting above the computer, <laughs> so it doesn't shit in the back of the monitors and stuff, you know? Without getting super political, uh oh, I had a. Let me tell you about abortion, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the, I had a. I'm pretty sure an audible chuckle when they were like, Lex Luthor, one of the biggest villains in DC, was forced to divest his holdings when he became president because even a supervillain would have to play by the rules. <laughs> and like, I you, caught you, that as well. You can't own a business and be president at the same time. That's unethical, and we're not going to stand for it. I forgot to write that down, but yeah, yep, excellent. Does that have some sort of relevance to real life? didn't do that. Oh, that was, like big, okay. that was a big deal. Okay, okay. I won't tell you what I think of him. I'm just saying I, it happened. <laughs> There's a Holly joke that I liked, which was, yeah, and people in ice water want hell. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't catch that. Somebody funny. says, like, you got to do this or I want this. Maybe Catwoman says, I want this or something, and that's her response. People in ice water want hell. That's mm. a great line. Pros? I really like... It'll be like a single panel in which they will draw the figures multiple times. Uh, I'm thinking again of the, like in motion. Yeah, like the theater fight, and they're behind the set, and they're showing how they're like moving from the left. Yeah, exactly. And the not current frame, everything before it will have been like a slightly lighter color. It still it gets like an outline. It doesn't get 
motion lines like it's whooshing or something Uh, you're seeing like the illustrated frames of a cartoon within a single panel or something and i really like because comic is full of like how did you get from here to here yeah or movie shots that just show hands and faces you know but i like seeing all of it and so when you have uh just the full motion i like that a lot and i like that it shows the skill of the uh illustrator because it shows that they had to account for the physical how to get from here to here what their body looks like in these situations totally like an animator's skill level versus somebody just drawing single panels or something like picture something neat and they can draw and that's it yeah exactly or you you have well i'm good at the front and the profile and the three quarter but everything else in between i can't really pull off but feet are not my yeah in animation you can't you can't hide from that stuff you know you have to show all the steps in between i noticed that in really from the beginning when they introduced catwoman she stole the ransom they're hopping across rooftops whatever Mm -hmm. and i was like oh yeah that's definitely a a nod to long halloween and when i was at the tim sale panel at emerald city recently it was like richard starkings and mark chorello the editor from this and a number of people who worked with him and they talked about how in some of those serious dark Batman story or whatever, but he would have momentary homages to Looney Tunes in the like Catwoman jumping across the roof shit. <laughs> and they showed an example, I can't remember specifically what it was, but it sort of has that feeling of them like bouncing across from this to that and, sh- mm-hmm. and showing the middle makes it almost look a little more like silly fun cartoony Mm -hmm. even though everything is rendered very straight like eight feet up and then jumped off that wall Uh, another eight feet up to a balcony that's looney tune shit yeah yeah seriously oh and there's that one cool panel that is like the long halloween panel where it's jim drawing purple suit catwoman I don't remember at what point it is, but I like it. Oh, it's just right. Yeah, it's yeah. just like a single or, rooftop yeah. flashback. No, it's uh, him remembering how, she's like, how did you get this scar? Because it's her scar. Oh, yeah, like you. Yeah. You idiot. That's yeah. you. you. Gee, I don't know, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which one of my villains has cat claws? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, the, I like the Batman 614 cover where he's choking Joker mm-hmm. a lot. Jim does like a good maniacal, overly detailed joker face the busted teeth and shit yeah. um it's a little phantasm actually maybe it was a little bit too much with the watercolor flashbacks and stuff but i did still like seeing because i knew that he was doing it it's cool just in a skill set way like cool it's tight that you can like, do oh, that, and do do that. And it, uh-huh. yeah yeah okay nice and particularly there's like one page and one panel where he's having the Batgirl flashback yeah, and it's them at the top coming at you and he and her and the sky are painted in and then the background is just left as like black line art mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's very cool it's just a, a neat high contrast mm-hmm. thing and then also while it didn't happen in the story and maybe this actually might have been a cooler thing to do for the flashbacks rather than the watercolor but for the first time, the iconic cover that has like the split that shows, you know, Joker and Ivy and top right and whomever else. Yeah, you know. the villains and then the heroes. Yeah. Huh. Um, the background is just the colored version of pencils. Yes, exactly. Oh, obviously, it's um, a big difference, right? Uh, yeah, that one. It's the cover of the trade. Yeah, so no inks, just 
pencils mm -hmm. scanned and colored. And sort of like washed over, not like detail colored. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not really darkening the pencils or anything like that. And previously I felt like I'd only seen Joe Mad do that in mm -hmm. stuff. I think at that point it was like the company liquid that was coloring his stuff, but seeing like that influence seep into more mainstream comics. And it's actually a thing that I wish people would do more frequently too, because I do think the inking stuff is really tight, but I also think that just preserving the pencils as pencils and then mm. coloring them is really cool. Especially if you can do it in a way that works in the story. Like we're yeah. talking about like dream sequences or something like that. Mm -hmm. Pros, Ben? I mean, my pros list is not particularly detailed and I like this book. And this might be another casualty of having read it for the first time so long ago where a lot of like the punch was robbed. Yeah. I mean, the, that artwork is stellar. And just the reintroduction of Jason Todd, I liked a lot. I liked that design. It's interesting because it's not one of those things like I'll watch a movie or read a book a million times if I really love it. But this one is so dense and so long. It's not one of those that you can just go back mm -hmm. to all the time, you know, uh, or it would feel laborious to a certain extent. You know, I mean, I, I really like everything about the foundation of the story. I mean, the, the type of story is being told, the detective stuff. I love Jim's artwork, period. You know, he's just one of my favorites seeing a different point in their evolution than the last time we read from this team. I like that we have psychological and physical threats. I like just the characterization of everybody, the way the Batman thinks, the way each person is used for the most part, particularly in the first half of the story, I think. Cons. Too much stuff for me. Unnecessarily so. Yeah, and I don't appreciate the whole... Um, I don't appreciate you making me yeah, sit there. No, <laughs> no, no I, I, I didn't waste my time or something. I like exposing myself to new stuff. He loves exposing himself. Yep, there we, we go. This. Man, this is a real theme. <laughs> I want you to understand what's in store for you. Yeah, if you're listening Listen. to season three, there will be 10% more dick jokes, 20% more fucks. No. <laughs> I wrote the Riddler ending, but I already talked about that. The only other thing that I didn't really like was how monotonous Batman's internal monologue is. It was like akin to old, old comics where he's like telling me about all this stuff that wow. I know, you know, like in the beginning he says, dude's rib is busted. So I punch it. Yeah. And we've talked about how like some of that data stuff is kind of funny, but I don't need you telling me like, I jumped off the curb. I'm like, clearly you jumped off the curb. There's no details in here. Um, but more than that, it was like, and they do this in manga too, where it's like the first page or something will be kind of like a redrawn version of the last page of the last chapter. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, just in case, but which is even more ridiculous. And that just is the format. Like you, you also got to think about this series was so huge uh, that it progressively got newer and newer readers as it went like each issue started getting bigger than the last you want to hold on and so this is yeah, kind of yeah. a cultural moment yeah. where it was like oh i heard about this oh the fucking new let me grab that one sure. and so they do have to contextualize it more i think also so i forgive for that yeah totally <laughs> like, and we don't have again the benefit of reading it at that time i'm i'm just going through it part of what seems silly to me about whenever this happens though is thinking that somebody else is thinking this stuff it's like a narrative bubble that isn't Batman's thought. Yeah. If it's the unseen narrator, uh -huh. it makes more sense. Like, 
hey, fans, just in case you forgot, last week, but mm-hmm. if... I'm thinking that this is actually how Batman, Batman thinks to himself. <laughs> he actually is a crazy person. <laughs> hey, I mean, obsessive thoughts are sometimes intrusive and unwanted. That's part of the definition. So. Yeah, all he's managed to do is focus them on a goal. He still has them. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of replay value with OCD, let me tell you. <laughs> I will go into my cons by just saying the flashback artwork again I didn't love. The fake killing of Thomas is the exact same as Alberto Falcone. It just was. It had the same payoff in the end. It occurred at the same point in the story, roughly. Again, just tying up the ending, not only too busy, but letting this character you spend so much time developing just be like, not me, not me. Oh, it is me. Bye. And jump away and, and escape. It was just like... Man, I would rather have an epilogue of him in a cell, him on trial, him dying, a Thomas and Bruce out of costume, you know, like one in the jumpsuit and one in the, the three-piece or whatever, actually having a dialogue or, or something, you know, like some more emotional payoff because this whole thing did have a personal thread from beginning to end, and it turned a little too much into just like wham-bang action and oh, didn't see that coming, you know, at, at the end. Is Thomas in anything else ever again? Yeah. There but I, I is, feel like there's never a payoff in the way the story set him up. I haven't read everything, but I haven't read anything but this, but I've heard very good things about Heart of Hush, which is actually Bible. He's just written, Hush. written by Paul Dini. So I'm very interested to read that hmm. and maybe we'll do it on the show. Um also the yeah, shut your mouth then. I can't. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Evan shushes you this time. I can't remember, but in Jim's epilogue at the end, he's talking about how the whole thing was hush hush, and that kind of became part of it that they were trying to keep this whole storyline under the wraps and all this yeah. stuff. But does he ever get called hush in the comic? It might be in the Joker Two Face thing or prior to that. Yeah, it's said at some point between other characters. Okay. What I thought was funny was you don't need to have a suit if you're a one-time villain, I don't think. And also, what is people's insistence on like having their letters and logos and stuff on their thing rather than just like wearing clothes? Why does he have to have a couple H's on his uniform? Oh, yeah, the like undersuit. Yeah. Yeah. Under the trench coat. Uh, yeah. You don't, you don't that, need to. That didn't need to be there. You you're could right. be wearing anything. Yeah. Like, you got this made? I mean, I complained about it before, but that is really one of the hugest cons and the biggest disappointments of my life, I would say. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> you complain a lot, yeah. actually. The reveal that he was evil as a child, and that's really what it was. It's not that you couldn't save my dad, it's that you saved my mother, so I didn't get my money right away. Like, that was such... Also, like, I'm extremely wealthy and famous now. Yeah, you're fine. So, yeah, I have everything I wanted. Yeah, so I mean, part, part of me, yeah, exactly. Part of me would say, like, well, no, well, because Batman doesn't have his parents. Trauma I mean, had nothing to do with wealth. If Tommy's goal was strictly to get the inheritance, oh, he did and then it. he grew up wildly yeah, more like, successful was, than his parents. I'm really fucking mad at you, Batman, because yeah, I had yeah. to wait until, like, my 14th birthday before I got all the money. I still lived like a, a very rich person, yeah. but I didn't get it as my own until way later there is no trauma because he desired for his parents to pass he wouldn't be traumatized by yeah that. yeah because yeah, i mean that's a symptom of the bigger problem with it and i do think this is again 
like the challenge of having to incorporate something that exists in a bigger continuity of like those stories just kind of keep going without you now. Yeah. Somebody else has to run with this. And I didn't read the forward or the afterward. I don't know if like, were they tasked with creating a new character? Mm-mm. No. So they just had free reign and they mm-hmm. did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Torello approached Loeb and it was sort of open-ended to him the way that he presented it here. Cause that, that yeah, makes it issued worse. a challenge. That makes it worse to me. Cause if it was the idea of like, we want you to make a character, then this ending is better for that. Cause it's like, we made him and he got away and now he just, he other exists. people, yeah, he can mm-hmm. be a tool for other writers if they come up with an interesting I, way to incorporate him. I know that I love standalone stories and I always say that, but like you could do that in continuity where you bring in somebody like this, who's important for a while and dies off. I mean, and you can still comic book him back in later yeah. if you really or want to. Or even just to. refer to him. Like, I mean, that, yeah. that really fucked me up when Thomas Elliot came back into my life and I thought I had a friend. Or Do you think, when you read those earlier issues, is that all misdirect? Do you think this kid was a psycho just because he fucking lashed out a few times and you got to think like your enemy in the, in the way that he talks sometimes? Like, I don't think... None of that seems psychotic to me at all. They just seem like kids. Yeah, like Ben needs a science montage. I need to see somebody like torturing animals. Yeah, give, like show me that. Give me show some me he's that he evil. You want to watch torturing animals? Got it. All right. Only mental when it's note. drawings. <laughs> really detailed Jim Lee drawings. No, I just I wonder if that was always in mind, or if they just had a rough idea of like, oh, what if, and then he becomes the guy, and like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Because it seems so out of left field. Well, and, and yeah, it's I wish not, people wouldn't do that if that's the case. One, it's not the only Batman story, and it's also not the only comic book story that does this. And again, it's to me, it seems like it's because they have to work it into a bigger story. But we're like, yeah. without spoiling things, like Batman murderer, mm-hmm. Batman fugitive, Bruce is another, Wayne murderer, Bruce Wayne murderer, is another story that I feel very similarly about. Where like the setup is great. I've and, heard good things and, about like, the it. The first third, or maybe even the first half, is great, and then it slowly starts to just like morph into status quo, both mm. in effort and like the execution of it, but also in the quality of the story and the beats of the story. Yeah. Which makes me think it's a bigger problem of trying to manage this whole universe. Dini is a writer that we praise a lot and he excels in the short form. And I, I just wonder if once in a while, like we've read a lot of Jeff Loeb. We've read Long Halloween, Dark Victory, Superman, Batman, and now this. I wonder if he would just crush it in a three-part miniseries or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like, well, does I think, he, I think a, he would do the exact same things in an even more condensed version. No, well, because like, Jeff like he said about... Jeff wrote a bunch of TV, either during this or after this. I think he worked on like Smallville. He worked on a bunch of stuff. Oh, right, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sort of did do short form in that way. I just, I would love to read a Batman story from him that's, that's just a little more focused. It's not quite such a wide scope you know mm. fewer characters because he's very good at, at finding heart and meaning and again giving the perfect characterization and motivation for each person yeah the way they talk histories. the way they think yeah you know yeah really the way they think he's very very good but there's always like we get caught up in the third act of a lot of these mm. going yeah but then it kind of gets goofy you know yeah the story itself is like what's lacking yeah yeah you know, when this came out, this was a five-star book, no question, right? But right now, we're reading in 2022, and this is just for the sake of conversation. These are all things that we love. How does this hold up in 2022? Uh, three. Could maybe go lower than that, but I don't feel like wow. being a butthead. Okay. I mean, I was going to say three and a half, but 
when the nicest person says three, I yeah, feel that, wow. safer in saying, yeah, maybe a three. Really? It's, it probably was a five then. Yeah. Me then reading it at that time. But yeah, all the things we talked about, I mean, those, those are like serious issues, despite everyone involved being excellent at what they yeah, do. Yeah, the team is great. Yeah, this just like this falters. Yeah, I put it at a four. I was comfortable with that because it's gorgeous to look at. It's got a lot of great story in it. But yeah, you know, it's not without its issues. Well, 20 years of Hush, if you guys haven't read it. Uh, I don't know why you listen to this, but check it out. I am going to be buying that anniversary <laughs> edition. It comes out, I think, think the day before my birthday uh, in October. Oh, so yeah, we get it. You have a birthday. For that, yeah. Everything's all about you. Most people do, actually, from what I've noticed. I just thought of this. In Jim's thing in the end, he was talking about how... I don't know how long it was, but say like a year or something before like issue one even released. Mm. So they're... Oh, yeah, that they had time to yeah, actually... Yeah, they, they actually had time to do like redraws and stuff. But th the fact that he said that made me think that it was only reworking the drawings. And it's funny. Granted, they, everybody must have just been like, this is a great story. I fucking love it. That it was only the drawings that got reworked and nobody was like, maybe less yeah. or something. That that's all no, they got Harold, revamped. He's got to be there. He's, and he's I critical. To draw Harold. Yeah. <laughs> I would be very surprised if the whole arc was done. I don't think that's ever the case. He even made mention at one point that like I wanted to prove that I could hit those monthly deadlines. I mm -hmm. knew that I could do it, but I'd be very surprised if they had more than you know a couple few issues ready to go. Deadlines are a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> comics, you know. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. All right, that is our show. Huge thanks for your patience from season two. Took a longer break than we had hoped, but wanted to come back with a big fat fucking episode to kick off season three. Hope you had a good time with it. As always, if you're a fan of the show, if you like what we do, just pull up your app, give us that five-star rating and review. It does mean a lot. And if you're not following us on Instagram, I post sketches, comics, autographs, hot toys, and we do giveaways for many of those things as well. So follow us at BatFanAddict, A-D-D-I-C-T, on Instagram. We will be back as we alternate from comics to film with Batman the Animated Series, the Emmy Award-winning classic episode, Heart of Ice. Stay tuned.